morning, you're very nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning in London town. So nasty Nick Bateman comes back from the dead. How they managed that one, I'll never know. Uh, Kate and William, yes, they went to the Commonwealth Games and dragged along Harry. Doesn't Harry have a job? Answer, no he doesn't. Zayn Malik comes out and twitters his support for Palestine. You shouldn't if you're a pop star, really. You're supposed to be sitting on a fence. Uh, the sick nursery worker. Oh, I'm off, I'm ill, I'm not well. Oh, I'm dancing as a Tunnock's tea cake. I'm at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, Malaysian Airlines could be renamed. They think Malaysian, as you know, they need to change something about it. Uh, Ready City Cook star Ross Burton dies and still no sign of Lauren Goodger's sex tape. I don't know. Not that we're desperate to see it, we just can't work out whether she's telling lies or not. I mean, a bit difficult. I knew nothing about it, she said. Dry up, you boring old windbag. We're so bored. Mind you, talking about old windbag, here she is. The woman who uh, turned up on television last night on Channel 5's Blinging Up Baby. It was a tacky programme in the extreme, I'm afraid. There's something, there's nothing the matter with sort of, you know, dressing children up and they go off to a party. But what this was, uh, woman was doing is nothing short of just tacky, I'm afraid. And so uh, here she is, Sophie Mae Dixon. Sophie Mae Dixon, turn up on television and starts talking about the blinging up of her two children. Far be it for me to suggest that uh, the woman is deluded. But anyway, she's on benefits. She doesn't work. And I looked at her, but she looks OK to me. Why, why can't you work, darling? She's apparently a beautician... And uh, she's got her two children, Princess Bliss Tiani May, who's four. Lovely, just get, that, just get your head around that one. Princess Bliss Tiani May. And the other one is Precious Belle Ruby Rosina. Right, OK, so we're all barking mad, aren't we, this morning, because we're buying into these stupid names. Uh, she's 22, she doesn't work, lives in a three-bed council house. So there's only three of them there. What do you mean she's in a three-bedroom council house? What for? Well, she doesn't work, what's the matter with her? I thought the other day, perhaps I got this wrong, perhaps I remembered the wrong things, but uh, I thought she said that she, she sent packages off to people on how to bling things up. I thought she had clients and all the rest of it. What do you mean she's not working? How's she not working? Is there something the matter with her? Is she, you know, is there some reason why she's not working and why she can afford to spend? When she was asked how she managed to pay up to £4,000 on dresses, makeup, nail salons, hair extensions and spray tans and managed to make herself look as good as that. Has this woman got some job I'm not aware of? I mean, how could you do that? You don't have to look at White D to realise she's on benefits and she can get off her fat bottom and get out there. This woman's slim, seems to have fairly classy clothes, classy makeup and everything else. She's 22 and she doesn't work. So where, where's the money coming from? She says, uh, you know, they said here, she comes from Camphy Island, as Sophie May... Doesn't take a genius to work it out. I pay for bills and necessities first. I'm not stupid. The pray, spray tanning and clothes have to come second. Prin and presh can be a strain on my purse. I'd walk around in a bin bag if I had to. But quite clearly, darling, you're not walking around in a bin bag. I think there's more to this story. I think there's more to it. I don't know why, I just think there's more to it. There's something You don't get to look like this on benefits. She's 22 and they've given her a council house. She's got two kids. Where's the father? You know, where, I mean, who pays for this stuff? The answer is, we're paying for it. Did you see them on television? I mean, I felt so sorry for these little girls. I looked at it as if it was sort of some sort of uh, bullying. I don't know why. I mean, I just think, if you, if you dress little girls up and, and they look like this and then you put them on television, I'm sorry. It's, it's wrong all the way through there. But t- typical of this morning to put them on there. And uh, anyway, loads of people. Uh, asked how much of her benefit she spent. She said, I don't know, a lot. I just don't believe it. I don't know. Something about this woman sends alarm bells ringing in my head. Something about it just does I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. Let's get, this, this isn't a woman on benefits. Can't be. I mean, she might be on benefits. 
But there's got to be something more to it than that. I'm sure that somebody will be investigating, as one of the papers will. Uh, they had all sorts of other people. There's one woman here. She's a beautician. Sammy Bushell. And uh, she comes from Doncaster. And she admitted she spent 70% of her wages on her baby's blinging wardrobe. And a mum called Leanne from Portsmouth dressed her daughter Scarlet in a Hooters bar outfit for a beauty contest and made her do a sexy dance on stage. It's a bit tacky, isn't it, really? But uh, none more so than Sophie Mae Dixon with Precious Belle Ruby Rosina and Princess Bliss Tiana May. I mean, I don't know where you think you're going to be taking these kids, love, but you need to get married and get yourself sorted out and try and get some work. I mean, it's amazing how you can look that good on benefits. I've seen loads of people on benefits. They don't bloom well look like you, love. They can't afford to spend this kind of money. £4,000. How do you do that? On, but what are you on? Four grand a month or something? I mean, where does it come from? No, there's definitely more to that one. Definitely more to that one. Uh, we had loads of flooding yesterday in the country. Loads and loads of flooding. I didn't. I had no flooding whatsoever. I got home. Twickenham. Outside the station. Brian... Graham looked up at the sky, pitch black, pitch black, and I looked at it and I thought, we're going to get very wet. So Graham nips into a shop, buys a £3 umbrella, come outside the shop, managed to get a cup of coffee, come out of the uh, coffee shop and think, oh, the heavens are going to open, heavens are going to open. What happens next? Brilliant sunshine, suntan weather. Literally, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how brilliant it still was. Boiling hot, as per usual, and a bit of a disaster with, uh, with my portable DVD players. I will tell you this. I've told them already the story upstairs because I can't believe that how I managed to get myself into this pickle. So if you remember, I bought on Amazon a DVD player, a Bush 10-inch portable DVD player, which means it's got the machine and the little screen as well. So it's a 10-inch screen, which is a decent size. Anything under 10 inches, I think uh, we'll all agree, it's not really worth bothering with, I think, if you're having that in, in bed with you. So, the, so I, I went out, and I, and I, but the sound quality was so poor so poor that I thought, I don't know what to do. I know, I'll buy another machine. It didn't cost a fortune, and I thought, you know, I can always give it to my brother and tell him something happened with it en route. And so I thought, right. So I'd seen an advert in the paper, fell out yesterday in this very studio, for Argos, a bush player, a 12-inch. Well, you know the difference between 10 and 12 inches. It's only a couple of inches, but I think that extra two inches makes a lot of difference. And so I went out there to Argos, and I bought it. So I walk out my little bush 12-inch, and, and then I thought, if I go to Costco, I can buy one of these portable little speaker things, little tiny cube it is, it's about 30 quid, and I can plug that in, hopefully, to the external speaker system on the first DVD player, and that will be fine. So I went to Costco, drove all the way to Farnborough, pick up this little machine, come all the way back, charge it up, plug it in. Well, it's like, it's like I've got surround sound from a little cube that is around about three inches by three inches, and it can Bluetooth. But if you just want to plug it into the side of the DVD player, it works brilliantly. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. In the meantime, so now, so now I've got the DVD player that didn't have much sound on it that now has. Plus, I've got a brand new DVD player, which is 12 inches as opposed to the 10 inches. And in the meantime, I'd forgotten that I'd ordered on Amazon because I got so angry about the first one, another DVD player. And that turned up this morning. So I've now got uh, three portable DVD players. I'm doing very well indeed. So I know what people are going to be getting for Christmas this year. They're going to be getting portable DVD players. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous. I just, I just cannot understand where I get this from. It's either that or vacuum cleaners. What's the matter with me? I'm losing the will to live. Losing the will to live. I watched the Talisa documentary. You can understand how she was suicidal at one point, can't you? When everything seems to be against her. And um, 
And then the other thing was, what did she have at one point? Oh, some ghastly paparazzi in a black a black four-by-four, four, who she'd seen before, and he had walkie-talkies on the seat, and they went over and confronted him. She didn't, but her PA went over and said... Because one minute he was outside her house, cruising round, and the next minute he's at the her agent's office. But nobody... So they must have had a leak somewhere within there, because they went off to Jonathan Shallot's office, the raw house. And, um, and, it, and they went over to confront him and said, excuse me, you're looking for something, what are you doing here? And then he started being really aggressive, as a lot of these paparazzi are. I mean, four-letter words and everything. I don't know why the camera didn't go round the front and show us who he was. I'd like to know who he is. I'd go, sorry, we'll just put you on camera, mate. Well, you tell us who you are. That's what I'd have done. Whew. No truck there at all. Anyway, so she got a bit upset, but then at the end it was, it was a relief, and it was all sort of over, and so she can try to get herself back together again. Whether it works, I don't know. The advice she's been offered is literally bring out a book, do something. You know, so that you can bring yourself back in. Because she lost all her endorsements. Uh, the house she was living in, I don't know if she was renting it or if she owned it. It was a bit difficult to tell. It was, it was a bit grand for somebody like her. And it was a bit out in the sticks. I think it was out in Sunningdale, somewhere in Surrey, whatever it was. And it was a big sort of mansion-type place with a pool. But uh, the house didn't look as though it had any furnishings in it, which always strikes me as rented. Might have been hers, I don't know. They said worth six million quid. And probably nice if you like that kind of thing. But she had the paparazzi sitting outside there all the time. And as far as I know, she's not been back to it. 84850, steve at Did you read the story in the papers? I have to do it because I was, I was as horrified as, uh, as anybody. First of all, the, uh, the front page of The Sun is the parents of a boy who's got the mark of the devil on his chest. Sharon Lewis and Robbie Jones, not married, uh, they come from Market Drayton, and uh, the Satan sign has bat- baffled their GP. Looks like a hairdryer. I mean, it seriously looks like the end of a hairdryer. They pushed against somebody's body and they've taken a picture of it. That's what it looks like to me. I could be wrong here. I mean, I love the idea it's the mark of the devil. And so they've got the mother there. And um, the, cr- the crosshair symbol uh, stump doctors. And... Uh, they say it's, it's proving a devil to explain. So how do I? Oh, what else can it be? You don't seriously believe in the devil, do you? Oh, Lord above, honestly. But uh, Mammon is said to be one of the seven princes of hell and used the crossed hair symbol as his calling card. Oh, it's a load of our cobblers. Honestly, you do worry, don't you, about these people. It's a hairdryer. OK, she held it up against him. Turn on the hairdryer. Oh, look, Mark. Oh, it's the devil. That's like when you have odd-shaped fruit. Years ago, it was Esther Ranson bringing us odd-shaped bananas and odd-shaped carrots and things like that. And I think we had a carrot once that looked like it was a woman with its legs crossed. You remember seeing that one? No, just... I always remember those things. Odd-shaped vegetables have sort of plagued my life, really. And Zayn Malik has received death threats after he tweeted his support for Palestinians. Um, Muslim Zayn's comments on the bloody Gaza conflict. Is this the one who might have had a little incident with the... Was that one? I think was that... I can't remember. I know one of them was. But uh, anyway, so he's obviously not as good. Uh, one said, I loved you, but now I hope you will die. Which is classic, isn't it? We do, do get these morons who tweet this kind of stuff. To be honest with you, Zane, let me just explain it to you, because quite clearly you're not intelligent enough to know. If you're a little popsicle star, and you are a little popsicle star, and a little band that jumps up and down on stage and appeals to 12-year-old girls, you don't have an opinion on things like that, OK? You get yourself into trouble. You will get stuff like death threats from stupid people. So you, you sit on the fence, you don't say anything, and when people ask you a comment, keep your little mouth zipped up, OK? Because you can, you, when you leave one, one direction, Popsing, then you can say whatever you want, but at the moment, keep it zipped up and, and you'll be safe, OK? Because there are stupid people. Although, as somebody said to me once, if anybody ever threatens you, don't worry about them because they're just a bit thick. 
It's the people who don't threaten you you've got to worry about. 18 minutes past four. Nick Ferrari this morning at seven as the death toll continues to rise in Gaza and Israel. Nick will host a special debate on the subject. Plus, why are so few couples adopting black boys? And why are two million young adults still living at home? Answer, they can't afford to go anywhere else. They can't afford to move out. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day and he said, you know, how, how, how cheap could you buy a flat in Twickenham? I said about... Pff, Two sixty to three hundred thousand pounds. He went. I can't afford that. I can't afford to do things like that. Camilla Tomonet, the royal editor of the Sunday Express, will be in the studio, looking at the papers for this morning. Uh, I love Ali Ross. They always have lookalike every week, and this week it's this morning's nuisance. He says, Rylan, isn't he an irritant? Professional gay boy on the television, very irritating, with too many teeth in his mouth and no talent. It was a little bit worrying, really. But anyway, he looks a little bit like Jafar from Aladdin. It's funny, actually, the more they primp and preen themselves, and Ryland does primp and preen himself. Actually, I was, I was thinking about it the other day. Would it be right to describe Jeff Brazier as a failed footballer? I couldn't, <coughs> I couldn't work out. He did play football at one time, but I don't think he ever got onto a professional level. So I suppose failed, it could be failed footballer, I suppose so. But he can't be getting much work at the moment. Because on this morning, it used to be Jeff Brazier... And uh, and then Ryland Hove interview, and we all we all went, oh God, how dull! Another one of these prancing ninnies in front of a screen. And uh, and then we get Jenny Faulkner, and then we get Stephen Mulhern. So there's now a, a little sort of group of about five of them who do the hub on there, and sort of Jeff Brazier has been pushed a little bit sideways. I don't really know what you could do with Jeff Brazier. I know a few people have got ideas, but it's sort of it's a case of I don't know where you put him. In this, in this great scheme of celebrity nowadays, you get people who have sort of, you know, found fame on the back of somebody. In his, uh, in his case, it was Jade Goody. And then you think, but where do you go from here? There's a limit to how far it can go, isn't there? Before people go, what do you do? And so he can probably get little guest slots on television programme. But even those, after a while, they dry up. I mean, you don't see Preston on anything, do you? And he was all over the the newspapers a while ago. They don't put Chantelle on anything because she's far too thick. And her agents obviously said, don't know, don't go on television programmes, love. You make yourself look stupid. So she doesn't bother doing anything like that. And uh, luckily don't see Ryland very often. And I don't, as far as I know, Anton Deck haven't asked him to go on their Saturday night takeaway on tour with major celebrities like Peter Andre, like, like Vernon Kay, yawn. Tess Daly, yawn. Uh, Eamon Holmes, God, what are you doing it for, Eamon? What is the matter with you? Haven't you got enough money back home or something? You must have made a small fortune. Uh, here's uh, Kate and uh, Wills at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, they watched the swimming at Toll Cross in Glasgow. I know Toll Cross very well. Very poor area it used to be. So they've revitalised it. The reason they built on it is there's so many places that were bombed and pulled down. And uh, so they were there. And, of course, they had to put up with Harry turning up as well. It's like the Billy No Mate's brother, isn't it? OK, so we're going off as a couple because the public love us. Oh, God, Harry wants to come as well. And so Harry drags himself along. He's, be- he's beginning to turn into the kid with no friends. You know, they had the thing in the, you know, the papers the other day about the club that Harry goes to because it's got people who sort of wear very little clothing and things like that. But the paper failed to mention it's owned by Guy Pelly, a friend of both uh, William and Harry's. And so Harry goes there because when you don't appear to have very many friends, and he doesn't actually appear to have many friends, Harry, you can hardly say to some of his uh, blokes in the army, would you like to come down to this club with me? Because he's, he's Prince Harry, he's sort of royal, so he has to be fairly aloof from it. But then, unfortunately, he has one or two drinks, pushes himself over the limit, and then becomes abusive. So you have to watch him very carefully. But he doesn't seem to have any friends. Every time William and, Harry, uh, William and Katie go anywhere, there's Harry. 
It's a case of, bro, haven't you got anything else to do? Can you go find some friends to play with? Uh, well, I haven't got any friends. Well, go and find some friends. Go and make some friends. Lord, take a girlfriend out. Do something, please. Do something. Party girls in Ibiza are being uh, warned they could be killed if they walk home alone after nights out. Apparently sex predators operate on the island. There's a big surprise. Actually, I know three people who've just gone to Ibiza. Three people from this building. I think they're going to be fairly safe. Nobody's going to go within a mile of any of them. But uh, they have to be very careful that the, the, the danger to tourists is absolutely real. And British girls are targeted because they're seen as easy and as big drinkers. That's exactly what they are. Easy, I think, describes them going to a bit. So they go to a for. They're not going for the scenery. They're going there to get as legless as possible and to stack out. We've all seen them on the television programmes. I don't know why we, why we worry about it. If you're stupid enough to go out there and get drunk, then people are stupid enough to take advantage. I mean, 568 Brits have been sexually assaulted in the last two years. 700,000 holidaymakers go to Ibiza every year. And 43% of Spanish assaults were in the Balearic Islands. So the advice is, don't go, because it's just full of drunks. If you, want, if you want drunks, come around London. We'll throw them out of bars every single night. You know, a lot of people go over there and, uh, and, and, get, uh, and get assaulted. The reason is because some of the people who are doing the assaulting come from countries where you don't see women walking around legless. You don't see women slumped by the side of the road. And you know how bad it is in some countries. I mean, one, uh, one worker, Eleanor Ryan from Middlesbrough, said the men are disgusting. They think English girls are easy or off our faces. They try to take advantage. They are disgusting lowlifes. I mean, you know, to carry a pepper spray would be an advantage, I would think. Who's this a picture of? This is a picture of, I don't know, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper in the paper today. Looks a bit butch, doesn't he, Bradley Cooper? We like him. And uh, Adele's new album is several months away. So that'll be, uh, that'll be nice. And a boy of eight. This goes back to a statistic that I told you about some time ago. A boy of eight has been arrested on suspicion of rape. He was among 315 children, aged 15 or younger, detained in the past five years by just one police force. And what they say, it's it's because uh, kids gain easy access to hardcore porn on the internet. It's not difficult to get hardcore porn on the internet. If you don't have a, a lock on your computer and your child is using it upstairs and they're about 10 or 11 years old, they're watching porn. OK? All you have to do to find out if they are is go into the history. It's a fairly simple thing to do, and you can see what they've accessed. They might have just put in one word. You only have to put... I mean, I wouldn't advise putting any of these words in, but it can be the most innocuous word. And uh, all of a sudden, up comes the most depraved filth you've ever seen in your life. And these are kids of ten who are being subjected to it. So they become sexualised at the age of ten. I don't think I became sexualised until about the age of 25. And even then, I think it was a very rough Sunday. Not one of my happiest days. Because it, it was different. Luckily, when I was growing up, we never had computers. We never had anything like that. If you wanted something like porn, you had to go into a bookshop in Soho or around Paddington. And, and I could tell you exactly what it was because they did a documentary on the television with hidden cameras years and years ago. And apparently you would go into a bookshop. This is when porn was illegal. I mean, technically, certain porn is, is still illegal, but it's so easy to access on the internet. And, um, and they would have all these books on the shelves, these sort of magazines. We used to call them dirty magazines when you were younger bit like sort of early copies of National Geographic, you know, lots of women with big jugs in there. And uh, you'd sort of, you'd go around, all these books were in plastic, and they'd have prices on. And then the man behind the counter, always looked a bit seedy, would say, um, looking for something in particular, sir? Something a little stronger? 
And apparently the, the, the thing was, because the stuff on the thing was sort of fairly, what they call tame. It was, you know, fairly tame stuff. And so he would say, you're looking for something, uh, something a little bit different, sir, something a bit stronger. And apparently the, uh, the client would then say yes, and they'd lead you into the back room. And there in a suitcase would be hardcore porn. And you could buy hardcore pornography if you want, and they put it and they put it in a, a brown paper bag for you. And they did this undercover report on it. I remember thinking, this is just going to encourage more people to go out and buy it. But now you don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to. You don't need to go to a bookshop. You don't need to go and uh, you know sort of rent tapes out from a from a sex shop or anything like that. You, don't, you just need to sit at home with a computer, and you can access anything. And that's why kids are accessing it. And that's why this one particular police force has got all these cases, all these kids who are committing sex acts because they're seeing it online and they think that's what it is. They think that's what that's what a relationship is nowadays. It's not so good, is it? 84850, steve at Everything is uh, woven in on the programme. We shall uh, read everything out. Somebody wrote to me once, though, and said, um, I'm sure you don't read everything out. I said, absolutely, we do. Absolutely. I've never had a day where I, uh, where I, where I sort of don't read everything out. We have to. The producer gets very funny about it. Very funny. You don't want to incur the wrath of the producer. Oh, I see poor old dreary Casey Batchelor. Oh, dear, honestly. She's fallen for another Lee. This is the glamour girl. Nothing glamorous about Casey Batchelor, I'm afraid. She just looks like another one of those old mingers that they've dragged out of the wardrobe and go, oh, look, Casey Batchelor. And um, she went out with Lee Ryan, who ditched her for somebody else, and then uh, she was sort of... She went for a speed dating night. She's so desperately sad, desperately sad here, and so she's found somebody else. But that's, that's the extent of her life, isn't it, really? She's got somebody else's hair stamp, stapled onto her head. And she goes out there looking like some old tart. And they go, oh, look, Casey Batchelor's found a new person. You go, ooh, fantastic. Very excited for Casey Batchelor. 84850, uh, Another one here. Uh, this came from, uh, from Sue, who says, on your show a few weeks back, you said you'd pretended to limp so you could have the seat that was designated for disabled people on the bus. I never said any such thing. Never said any such thing, you liar. She says, listening to your show this morning, I was really pleased to hear you say you've changed your mind. No, I haven't. You listened to something else, dear. Certainly not on my show. And you now agree how annoying and selfish people who misuse disabled spaces are. I haven't changed my mind at all. What are you talking about? You're on tablets or something. And she says, with the huge following you have, patronising, aren't you? Hopefully the ignorant, selfish people that do it will hear you, feel guilty and refrain from using the future. I don't know what you're listening to, love. It's not this programme. Never said anything like that at all. Pretended to limp so I could have the seat. You liar. Disgraceful thing to say, honestly. I'm going to pass that on to our lawyers. I'm going to take you to court for that one. Oh, Dallas, it's so brilliant. Honestly, I love this programme first thing in the morning. Uh, so, other stories in the paper today, apart from uh, Nick Bateman coming back from that. How are they going to bring him back from the dead? I've got no idea. We had a funeral. He died of a heroin overdose, and they're going to bring him back. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, the jibe was racist. Do you know, I had to hold my hands up. I'm no big fan of Jeremy Clarkson, but I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't know it at all. Only two people complained. So it goes to prove, I'm assuming, that the rest of the country didn't understand what he was on about either. But certain people have said he keeps coming up with these little things, and surely now is the time to drop this old Neanderthal. You would think so, wouldn't you? But they don't. They don't. Why should they? They're not going to take them... You know, they're not going to bother about two people in an Ofcom complaint. They couldn't care less. The BBC will carry on employing him because he's about all they've got, I'm afraid. So he was a, it's, he's just a silly old man. They put it down to that, don't they? Silly old man. Why should you worry about anything that he says? 84850, steve at Um There was a piece that appeared on the internet that they say because the audience for... Um, 
for Good Morning Britain has fallen off so much. They're down to about 207,000 or something on some of those. Really, really poor. Not very good at all. They're saying it could face the axe. I don't think it will ever face the axe. I think that what, what they might do is they might probably have to revamp the programme. And the first thing they should do is get rid of Susanna Reid because the audience just don't like her. She was never the big star with Bill Turnbull, who turned up on Countdown the other day, obviously believing he's some sort of celebrity. Very worrying. LBC News Time, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Quite nice that uh, when Ross Burden died, and uh, Ross was a... Big chef in this country. When I say big, he was very tall, probably one of the tallest. And uh, he appeared on Ready Steady Cook and Celebrity Master Chef and stuff like that. Uh, he died uh, back in July. They they held it off because not for any particular reason. It wasn't held off deliberately by by the press. They normally report these things, but I don't think the family made it public. Uh, he had leukemia diagnosed, I think, more than a year ago, and uh, and he died the other day. He was only forty five. It's uh, no age at all, is it? Very, very young indeed. So at least he gets some mentions in the papers, because most of you will have forgotten, because he went back to New Zealand, I think, and there he ended his days. Very tragic. There is another tragic story in the papers. It's on the front of the mirror, and it's a cancer patient who's been, who's been denied life-giving drugs on the NHS, has to find £2,000 a week to pay for them. Now, I should point out that this is a man with terminal cancer. OK, he has terminal cancer. The NHS have said that they will make him comfortable, that they're not going to buy a drug called Avastin. Avastin is not licensed in this country. It's made by a company called uh, Roche, and uh, it has National Institute for Health and Clinical Excellence approval, but it is not uh, licensed by the manufacturer for treatment of brain cancers in England. And so they're not going to spend this £2,000, because it's, and he said it can extend my life. And the, uh, the answer from the NHS is, well, yes, it might. But, we're not, you know, it's, it, they're not going to spend this sort of money. He says they pay for cosmetic surgery and gastric bands, but it won't save me. There should be no price put on health. Unfortunately, there is. There is a price put on health, and that's, that's the trouble. And we all know it, because they don't have the money to bandy around. And it's got nothing to do with cosmetic surgery and gastric bands. All he's thinking of is that uh, Josie Cunningham and people who've had these bands fitted to stop the meeting so much. It's, it's got nothing to do with that. This comes down to the fact that this is £2,000 a week. This is going to be £8,000 a month. This is £96,000 a year. They do not have. They don't have that kind of money. And also, it isn't, it isn't licensed for brain tumours here. And the other thing is, he's terminal. And what he wants is, and you can quite understand it, can't you? Uh, he says, due to the quality of his early work, he will still graduate with a diploma if he survives until October. He says, uh, you know, all I wanted was my own place with my girlfriend, maybe a pet, and to become a primary school teacher. And it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. It breaks your heart, you think, because if that was a member of your family, you'd be trying to raise as much money as possible to prolong somebody's life. But the inevitable is going to happen. It's terminal. And the word terminal means... It has, it has an end. It has an end spot for him. And I think it's atrocious that somebody of his age, and he's only, he's only 21, you know, he's, he, he gets something like this and there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing. You sit there and you think, I didn't do anything different from anybody else. You know, went out there, had a few drinks, you know, danced around, did this, fell in a puddle, usual kind of stuff. And yet, what is it that makes somebody here get a brain tumour and somebody like me not have a brain tumour? What is it? You know, is there such a thing as a god? Of course there's not. There can't be. 
Otherwise, you know, he'd be saving this this person and taking away cancer. That's what you hope, isn't it? And there's all sorts of quackery out there. People saying, oh, I can cure cancer. It's a load of balderdash. It's a load of old cobblers. It just gives people false hope. There is no such thing. You know, you can, you can help people and there are certain drugs that are being invented, but it's an uphill climb. We haven't even cured dementia yet. We have no idea. A friend of mine, uh, their father has got dementia. He's 92 and you would think, well, he's had a good innings, but he shows no sign of slowing down. At nine o'clock in the morning, he trots off to the pub. Because that's where he thinks he can go and talk. And they go, no, you can't go to the pub at nine in the morning. Unfortunately, the pub opens at eight and they serve breakfast and they give him a cup of tea and he sits in there. But he's 92 and, uh, you know, the family is sort of worried for him, for his safety and things like that, because he just wanders off. Got no idea where he is, he wanders off. And so when you get a 21-year-old who's fairly lucid and just says, I just want this drug, I don't, you know, I just want to prolong my life by, by two years. You don't know what quality of life he's going to have. We don't know when he's, when, you know, the cancer is going to take a hold. And uh, all they say is, this is used as a standard in, in France and America. They say, we know it's not a cure, as there is no cure. I mean, he is going to die. It's not sort of, you know, be silly about this. He is going to die. We don't know when it has to go through various processes, but they want it to give him a better quality of life, and they say it's worth trying, but they don't have the money for it. And the reason we don't have the money is because there's too many of these health tourists coming in and taking full advantage of the NHS. Why this was never clamped on years and years ago, I've got no idea. I've been talking about it for 30 years, for God's sake. 30 years, people arriving on a plane and they've got sort of serious heart problems and they go, they just check themselves into hospital. And people go, OK, we'll do this. And then they said, oh, brilliant idea the government came up with, wasn't it? We're going to charge them. <laughs> yeah, right. What are you can do? Give them a bill at the end of the surgery. They're not going to pay it. Nobody's going to pay it. You see people on the television stopped by the police in these police stop programmes and they say, right, uh, you've got an £80 fine. And then at the end of the programme, three months later, the fine has still not been paid. Well, why not? The answer is we don't have the resources to chase it up. You don't seriously think people are going to come in from abroad, have major surgery on the NHS, and then actually pay a bill? Of course they're not. Now, the government would be stupid, if not incredibly naive, to think that they would be doing that. What you have to do is, when they come in, they go, I need checking in for this surgery, a credit card. In America, you can't get anything done. You have insurance? Pfft, not getting anything here. Nothing at all. Terrible. Well, you can die in the waiting room, then. You have to die in the waiting room. That's your problem. But uh, we'll have you removed, if necessary. No, it's all done. You pay for it, and it's serious money. Over here, you know, we go, ooh, pop in, just pop in. We'll do you life-saving brain surgery and heart surgery and give you new bosoms and everything else. Pay for it? Good God, no. They'll never enforce it. Never enforce it in a million years. What you want to do is say, yes, you can go in for surgery today. We have a spare uh, studio. Uh, sorry, a spare uh, surgery, and um, and you just need to pay. Have you got a credit card? Well, then we can't do anything. I'm terribly sorry. Thank you. Next. And just move on. I don't know why we're being so stupid about it. I can't believe it. A boy of 13 in the paper, talking of stupid, has been charged with criminal damage after gravestones in a Jewish cemetery were daubed with anti-Semitic graffiti. 70 graves were covered with anti-Jewish slogans using black spray paint. 40 headstones were toppled over. The boy who can't be named for legal reasons. What legal reason? What, that he's a thug? Isn't that why he should be named? Will appear before Manchester and Salford Youth Court. A second 13-year-old boy remains on police bail until tomorrow. More than 100 people have turned up to clean the gravestones. It's fantastic. Fantastic. So well done to those 100 people. And shame on the, uh, the not naming. I bet the police would love to name these little toe rags. I'd love to name them. Let's put their picture in the paper, shall we? Let's go around and daub slogans on their house. In this house lives an idiot with his stupid family. 
Anyway, talking of stupid families, the passport unit have walked out. Having had all the disasters with passports before, you know, you can't get your passport, we don't have enough staff. Now, it turns out they've, uh, they've gone on strike over a dispute over staffing levels. Because you know there was 30,000 applications in a, in a backlog. And so they've gone on strike yesterday. It kind of, kind of doesn't solve it, does it, really? And uh, they've said that uh, the union is in dispute over pay as staff can be on £3,000 less than those in other home office units. Oh, dear, honestly. And the home office have said holding a strike at this stage is irresponsible. Of course it is. That's stupid unions for you, isn't it? So I thought we'd seen the back of unions, but uh, apparently not. They're still alive and well somewhere. Somewhere they're alive and well, I don't know. Uh, 84850. Oh, oh, no, Lynn, this, uh, this speaker pillow is rubbish. What I've got is like a surround sound cube. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, it is the, it is the best thing ever. It really is. It's absolutely wonderful. Ab- I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. I love it to pieces. But there again, I'm, I'm, and it was only 30 quid. I thought it was actually quite good value for £30. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, another one here. Uh, love it. Is there a God? Of course not. Spot on. <laughs> Steve, once again. Well, don't you ask that question. Whether you're religious or not, it makes no difference. You ask the question, I'm sorry, there's somebody here who's 21 and we've, we've had children being killed. Where is, where is God? What's he doing? Is he busy? Can he, I mean, who's, he, who's he listening to at the moment? I mean, technically, he's supposed to, uh, you know, keep all these people in check. Absolutely ridiculous. 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk We shall weave uh, it all in. 84850. Uh, Robin Luton says, I'm pretty certain you did say that. Well, you're wrong. You need to get your facts right, silly boy. And uh, I haven't changed my mind on fake disabled people at all. I've never changed my mind. I've been saying the same thing for 30 years. You need to wash your ears out. Mind you are in Luton, aren't you? You don't exactly have the best intelligence up there. Uh, Graham says, how do the Speakmans cure people with serious ailments? They don't. They don't. They have no qualifications for doing that. Uh, They're either magicians or aliens with special power. Well, they certainly look a bit alien, don't they? They're a very odd couple. They had no qualifications for doing this. They just talk things out. I mean, if, if my producer said to me, you know, um, I've, I can't think of anything he would sort of come up with, you know, oh, well, I'm having trouble with a relationship or something like that, you know, and it's, it's long distance, and I'd be pointing out, you know, with my vast experience of these sort of things, I'd be saying, well, you know, long distance relationships tend not to work. You know, it's nice and it's a young thing and it's a case of I'm in love, you know, and everybody gets in love. And when you fall in love, it's great, but it's great if they live next door. Unfortunately, if they live any further than Battersea, you're kind of barking up the wrong tree. And, you know, in the case of certain people, they have relationships that are overseas and it just doesn't work. It just does not work because what do you expect the person to do? Sit there like Mother Teresa at the other end? No, of course not. They're going out there. And then also it's when you see somebody after you've not seen them for a little while, you're sort of all like, Ooh, got all goosebumps and all that kind of stuff. And they're, they're kind of a, bl- a bit oblivious to it because people have different things going on in their, uh, in their lives. So that's why everybody's completely different. Everybody's completely, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Uh, 84850. Plenty of money to fund endless, pointless wars, says Sarah. Help out other countries, yet no money to keep the NHS afloat. I know. I know. £100,000 a year for one man for his medication, and he's terminal. And they're saying they're not going to spend it. Because they're not going to get anything back. If they cure somebody, you know, I think under the Hippocratic Oath, they have a, a sense of duty, don't they? But if they've got no money... And, of course, each different NHS trust is funded differently and they've got different priorities. Where do you get the money from? 
Where do we get the money from? You know, I've seen this advert on the television, the health service lottery. I'm not exactly too sure what it is. As far as I could see, it was a Richard Desmond enterprise. But then, surely, they, they could say, listen, £100,000, we will give £100,000. They say they give money to good causes. Well, what better cause is this? Couldn't health service lottery do it? It's not the NHS lottery, though, is it? That's the difference. And so, you know, this is not the way to run the NHS. Couldn't somebody donate it? There's loads of multimillionaires in the country. Only wants £100,000. He might not live till October. Just think, you know, you'll be rewarded with a place in heaven, if, of course, such a place ever existed. That would be it, wouldn't it? You know, if you give £100,000 or £50,000. They've got a, a page for, for giving so that people can donate money. I'd like to think that some rich footballer might, but, of course, footballers are tight as anything, aren't they? Unless it actually comes down to sort of buying yet more bling for the girlfriend or a new flash car. But when it comes to actually giving to charity, you can practically count them on one hand, those who give. 84850, steve at uk, And um, Pete's another bread man. Do you know, I'm surrounded by people who deliver bread. In the cabinet. Have you ever known so many people? And here's us, desperate for a toaster and some peanut butter on toast or something like that. Oh, I could murder peanut butter on toast. Absolutely murder peanut butter on toast. That'd be wonderful. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. My partner from Norway was visiting me and needed urgent medical treatment. He was billed and paid in full, says Claire the Atheist from Middlesbrough. Yeah, well, I mean, that's most people aren't billed. And even when they are, they just get, not paying that. Not pay that. Why should they bother paying it? And so they don't. That's why it's so bad, isn't it, really? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Joanne is in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, good day, Joanne. Good day. Look at me trying to pretend I know about Australians. And uh, she recently visited the UK and, and tuned into the programme one morning because I couldn't sleep. I've now returned back to Australia and listened to you every day at 1pm Melbourne, Australia time. I watch one of your programmes. No, it's not your programme, but it's, it's called Australia veterinary kind of things where they go around and you know you've got as many people who abuse animals in australia as we've got here they rescued some donkeys the other day are oh, they nice donkeys stubborn little so-and-so's but uh, they had a little donkey donkey foal running around and i thought i want i want a donkey foal. i've got nowhere to keep it but i just uh, i just quite quite fancied one so if you've got a spare one send it over to me joanne that'd be very nice indeed thank you so much it's quarter to five Steve Allen on... Everybody, oh, got some stories in the papers. Actually, a sad story to start with, I'm afraid. Don't like doing sad stories. This one is a mum's secret bucket list for her brain tumour daughter, which is what we were talking about with that man on the front of the... Uh, the mirror. Same paper, actually, inside here. And it's the story of uh, young Emma Whitfield. Uh, when she was told her youngest daughter, Evie, had just months to live, she was determined to fit a lifetime of memories in... Uh, but because she couldn't ask Evie to write a bucket list, because she didn't want her child to know she was dying, so instead she asked her to list all the things she would do if she were the Queen. And then she went around, you know, making them uh, making them happen. She took her to see a Mamma Mia, and uh, they went to the zoo, they went to Hamleys, she went to Legoland. Uh, she started to put on a bit of weight because of the chemo and do the other things. And uh, Evie continued to go to school. Uh, between June and October, had a second course of chemo, and then they went to Lapland to visit Father Christmas. She must have thought it was just wonderful. But after Christmas, um, her health went uh, downhill quite rapidly. And Emma said she knew that the end was coming. And I think, she says, I think she knew that she was dying as well. And she said she never wanted to miss school, but she insisted on going to buy me a present, even though my birthday was a month away. It made me wonder if she knew. But soon she was in pain, so nurses came and fitted a morphine drip. And days later, she died at home, holding her mum's hand. 
I mean, it's so terribly... You know, and I have to ask this question again because it drives me insane. If there is a God, how on earth can you let an eight-year-old child die in pain from a brain tumour? Admittedly, the morphine is the thing that takes away the pain, but at the same time, I think you're being slowly killed by the morphine. And so they've, they've launched another charity. There's so many of these charities, it just breaks your heart. There's so many of these charities that are out there for... Um, for little children who've who've passed on, and you ask yourself the question, where is the help? Where is that? And they can do nothing apart from just make somebody comfortable. I like the idea, though, that they did a wish list. I would like to do that. I mean, put it this way, if I knew that I was dying, believe you me, I would want to be here every day. I would want to talk you through it every single step of the way. I'm determined that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, I'm certainly not going to be going to the Wellesley Hotel. Uh, the Wellesley Hotel is in Knightsbridge. And it's an extraordinary bill. It's, it's only extraordinary if you look at it out of context. Uh, because this businessman was charged for three bottles of Pellegrino water, £75. OK, £75. Uh, Edward Heaton was meeting a client and an assistant at the Wellesley Hotel in Knightsbridge during the recent heatwave. He ordered three bottles of water, which cost around 60 pence in supermarkets, and was staggered when he got the, the bill, £75. Because the price is... Uh, £5.50 a bottle. I mean, they're taking the Michael, aren't they, really? £5.50 a bottle. But, you know, if you choose to buy it at a hotel like that in Knightsbridge, I suppose you get what you what you expect. But then on top of that, uh, there was um, a service charge of £8.33. They had the audacity to put a service charge on. I mean, that, again, is taking the... isn't it? And then also minimum spend. And the minimum spend is £25 per person. So, they, as opposed to, you know, a group of people, that's £25 minimum spend, they do it per person. So, because they only wanted one bottle of water each, it was £25, uh, £25 minimum spend. So, they've got one here at £50. Well, how does that work out? If it's £25, uh, so it was £75. So, they said £25 per person, but they only did what, a two then, didn't they, at £50, 17 pence. So, it's one minimum spend. Doesn't make any sense here. Anyway, total amount due was uh, 75 quid. Most supermarkets charge about 60 pence for a bottle of Pellegrino water. In a statement, the hotel said, fearing the worst, I'm afraid, the Wellesley applies a minimum spend of £25 per person as standard after 4pm for guests occupying the hotel's cigar terrace. In other words, you want to sit outside on the cigar terrace, you're paying for it. It's like buying, a, like buying I suppose, a, a deck chair on the beach. You know, they're never free. Somebody comes along with a ticket machine and goes, uh, would you like to sit in that? Guests are made aware of the policy on arrival and the rates are printed on the menus distributed on the terrace. The minimum spend is £25 per person. It's comparable to similar venues across London. Shall be staying there, then. So they charge for three bottles of water, 75 quid. It's the, it's the audacity of a service charge, 8.33. You know, though, legally, legally, Mr Heaton, you can cross off the service charge. You don't have to pay service charge. They're not allowed to legally enforce it. And uh, you could just leave your name and address and say, I don't want to pay the service charge. It's just, you know, for carrying it from there to there, just tell me when it's there, I'll go and collect it. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry I get about You know, I always think, though, if you want to stay in a hotel in London, then, uh, you know, but £25 is a bit steep, isn't it? Three bottles of water, 75 quid. 75 quid. It's just outrageous. You're probably listening in Manchester going, you are joking, aren't you? Why do you think people take their own water out when they go anywhere? But, of course, if you want to sit on their cigar terrace... In other words, you can smoke on this bit outside. So you go there and they will let you, uh, they'll let you sit there. But also, if you're just sitting there with a, with a bottle of water, it's a bit naff, isn't it? They expect you to sit on the cigar terrace. And had they actually drunk alcohol, they probably could have had a couple of alcoholic drinks each. 
for the price of the little bottle of water. It would have made it easier. That's what I would have done. I'd have gone, I'll tell you what I'll have. I'll have, um, I'll have a snowball and a chinzano and lemonade or something like that. Which would be quite nice, wouldn't it, sitting there, you know, with the breeze wafting over you. But to sit there with three bottles of water at Pellegrino, not exactly my most favourite water in the world, but I just think it's a lot of money. You could have actually done better. They could have ordered some food. You know, we'll have a sandwich and a, and a cup of tea or something. It might have taken it up a little bit better. Uh, more pictures in the paper of uh, Prince Harry, who doesn't actually appear to have any job at all at the moment, just tags along after William, because William's getting the freebies. And they go, oh, by the way, uh, can my brother come too? And they go, oh, God, does he have to? They go, uh, yes, it'll be an extra one for lunch. And so they just turn up. All of a sudden, they've just sort of become very close, because I think, I think it's very much a case of, and I don't want to point this out to you, but it's like the Queen and Princess Margaret... Once the Queen became Queen, Princess Margaret got kind of shoved into the background. Nobody really interested or was interested in Princess Margaret. And I think the same here, that people are concentrating on Catherine and William. And so now you've got Harry turning up everywhere. It's like, oh, look, Harry's here. Don't look now. Harry's with us. You know, so we're just about to open this. Oh, God, Harry's turned up again. The embarrassing brother. The brother, it appears, with no mates. Floods, slush and hailstones, the size of 20 pence coins. It's summer's craziest day. Worthing Station, terrible. Hove, terrible. A friend of mine lives down uh, in East Sussex. Terrible weather yesterday. Absolutely terrible. It was just the most awful ever. Um, former Commons Speaker Betty Boothroyd has mounted a ferocious attack on David Cameron for breaking the mould of British history by downgrading the status of the new leader of the House of Lords. Baroness Boothroyd, a respected and much-loved figure on all sides of Westminster, accused the Prime Minister of a careless disregard for the way our constitution works. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, his memoir, serialised in the Mail, convulsed Westminster. Now Gordon Brown's spin doctor gives his withering verdict on the two Eds. And uh, and this is the book that shook Labour, and it's Damien McBride's out. I don't think I'm that interested. Does anybody buy politics books now? Does anybody buy anything like that? I think we just accept the fact they're going to ride roughshod over us, and we're just going to have to sit back and, and take it, I'm afraid. We're just never going to get anything at all, are we? We're just going to... There's another one here. This is a, another woman in... Um, where is it? In Swansea. And uh, they can't name the mother for legal reasons. I've got no idea. What does she do? On the hottest day in the year in Swansea, she leaves a kiddie in the car, a baby, and she goes off to do her shopping. I mean, quite clearly, she's a bit thick. She comes from Port Talbot. She received a caution. Um, this this uh, baby received a clean bill of health, given fluids and taken for a checkup at Morriston Hospital. It reached 25 degrees centigrade there, and this woman goes off shopping. I mean, I don't want to say clearly that she's got to be some of the, you know, one of the dumbest people you've ever met. But she's now been let off with a caution for child neglect. So, in other words, an ambulance had to turn up and, and a police car. Why can't these people be charged? You know, I mean, she quite clearly deliberately left her child in there while it's absolutely boiling. And the car was locked. So the uh, officers had to use batons to smash the car window before lifting the girl to safety. I mean, quite clearly, you want to say to this, you want to drag her out of the supermarket by her hair and go, are you stupid? What are you doing? Leaving a child in here. Whew. Sitting down less can cut diabetes. I need to stand up doing this programme. If you sit down, you get, uh, you know, the chance... I'm a bit late now, I'm afraid. A bit late. Uh, so I'm, I'm, if I stand up, it's actually better. Better for me for, for my diabetes. So perhaps I should do this programme standing up. There used to be a programme on the television, Night Caller, wasn't it? Where the guy used to walk around the studio. How he managed that, I'll never know. Chatting away. And we, I, we did have a presenter at LBC once who did do the programme standing up. 
I personally can't do it. I know that it's all right if you're on a music stage, you know, hip hop, hip 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 hop hop hop. You know, and then you stand up and you do it and you get into it. But I mean, on a speech station, it just doesn't work at all. I'm afraid. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc. dot co. dot uk. The cruel legacy of TV's dancing Shetland pony, who started a craze for miniature ponies, have ended up abused and abandoned by the owners who can't cope with them. Dreadful, isn't it, really? Every time you see something on the television, they go, oh, look, isn't this wonderful? You know, remember like, the, the, the little miniature pigs? And then it, uh, it turns out, you know, the very few miniature pigs, they were, just, they were just little piglets. But the most disgusting story in the paper today, bar none, I'm afraid, is Christopher Copeland, 52, a thieving little so-and-so of the worst possible ilk, I'm afraid. He organised a team of volunteers to shake buckets and take donations for help for heroes, and he thieved it. You little toe rag. Honestly, they raised hundreds of thousands of pounds for the charity. But uh, he handed over only a fraction of the money, keeping the rest for himself. You thieving little toe rag. He's going to prison. Absolutely. And uh, because the money he stole never reached us, say, uh, help for heroes, he's exploited the goodwill of so many people towards our wounded men and women in such a calculated and devious way. I hope that, uh, that they throw you in prison and they throw away the key. It's thought that he only gave about £20,000 to help for heroes. He pocketed about 300000 to prop up his, his ailing 4 by 4 business. Uh, because they say here, since his crimes came to light, his home has been targeted. I can't help feeling it's a bit of justice, but uh, I can't be seen to condone things like that. And so his full address in Devon can't be published until he's sentenced. Um, because his, uh, his sort of wife and everybody else, uh, have now had to fit an alarm to the property. Well, good. Good. I'm terribly sorry, Mr Copeland, but I think you brought it on yourself, you nasty little piece of work. So you go out there collecting money for injured men and women in our forces, and you keep it for yourself. <laughs> I hope they throw away the key, pal. I hope they throw away the key. Not very often I get that out. Well, it is actually. Not very often you get that angry about a story at this time of the morning. But it just seems wrong to me that you go out there and people give generously. I tell you, come rugby day in Twickenham, there's so many people shaking buckets and th- you've got no idea what they are. How many of them are lining their own pockets? The answer, probably a few. Probably a few. Especially those who go around the pub selling flowers. Watch them. Don't give any money. Don't give any money. You can print these little things off. Look, I'm, I'm an approved collector. Are you, love? Are you? I remember speaking to a girl once. She said you could make a £1,000 in a night going round nightclubs, flogging flowers anyway. Dead easy. People have had a few drinks. What about flour for your loved, lovely lady? And uh, how much is it? £2. £2, thank you. Cost them about a penny each. It's that bad, isn't it? It's LBC. Still to come on your early morning breakfast show with me, Steve Allen. Nasty Nick comes back from the dead. Now they're going to, mind you, they did it with Bobby in Dallas, didn't they? Jobless EU migrants get their benefits slashed. The sick nursery worker dancing as a tunnock tea cake at the Commonwealth Games. She was off from the nursery where she works, apparently not at all well, and here she is. Yeah, woo, I'm a tunnock tea cake. Dancing around like that. Uh, Malaysian Airlines, they think, could be renamed. Amy Winehouse's father's going to release another album to raise money for the charity. He last put out an album in 2011 and the months before her death. I think that's enough of that one, Mitch. I think we've had enough of that one. Okay. And Claire Balding wants more women's sport on television. Yes, I agree there. I agree. Uh, it's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. All of that and more is next. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. Nasty Nick has come back from the dead. They're going to resurrect him in East Enders. Claire Balding wants more women's sport on television. She told the Radio Times girls need to see women achieving so they can then view it as a viable career. She says she'd never sign up for a show like Strictly Come Dancing 
because she make a fool of herself. I know, it, it does make me laugh when you get people... I watch Countdown and they find people to come and do Dictionary Corner. This week, Bill Turnbull. He quite clearly is under some misapprehension that he's of interest to people. He just reads the news on a, on a television programme, which is where Susanna Reid was. Although, for how much longer Susanna Reid can keep going with a programme that is not gaining an audience, I don't know. Will they revamp it? Who knows? It's all up for grabs this morning on LBC. And uh, I'll be here till 6.30 when Lisa Aziz comes along. Uh, Tiger Lily. This is uh, Tiger Lily, who's... uh, I think this is Michael Hutchins' daughter. She turned 18 last week, and he's believed to have a fortune of £17 million stashed away, because he would have made quite a bit of money, Michael Hutchins. However, by the time he died, he had a few hundred pounds to his name. And so now they say she's unlikely to receive any inheritance... From her father, and now uh, Michael Hutchins' brother has demanded, where is the money gone? Yes, I'd be quite curious to find out. If, of course, I mean, there was any money in the first place. It's very easy, isn't it? As we've said before about certain celebrities who they banned money around, they say, oh, so-and-so's worth this much, and you think, I don't think they are. Uh, Hutchins hanged himself in a hotel room, and uh, Paulie Yates took a fatal heroin overdose, age 41. It's now emerged that Hutchins... It trusted his wealth to former confidant Colin Diamond, who appears to have invested in a series of companies to limit the Australian musician's tax bill. These included £1.4 million in a bowling alley, but as nothing officially belonged to Hutchins when he was effectively penniless, he died penniless. Speaking to an Australian magazine, Rhett Hutchins says he would have hated the outcome to his will. Michael worked very hard for what he achieved. It's interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, there should be money around, but there isn't. And obviously, in Australia, they have the same situa- situation over here. So the more companies you invest in, the more you can lower your tax bill. You can limit your tax bill. We had this the other day, didn't we, with various celebrities. I think that uh, a few of them appear on our television in this country. And they'd invested in films, which turned out to be flops. But I'm assuming that because you invest in a company, you can offset that against your tax bill. So that's where it would become interesting, wouldn't it? And I think one of them's on the television every morning on Good Morning Britain. Little Benjamin Shepherd. I believe that various other people have invested in these film companies. Although somebody pointed out the other day, uh, you know, why would you want to invest in a company that has only made flop films? doesn't kind of have a great track record. And then somebody else pointed out to me that you don't know when you invest in a film whether or not it's going to be good or whether it's going to be bad. It just seems that all of these ones appear to be pretty bad, I'm afraid. And so they don't tend to make the money that they should. But is it, is it a tax dodge? Is it legal? I don't know. I've got no idea. We'll soon find out. Uh, my girlfriend, says Anthony, lived in County Durham. I lived in London. We dated for a time by mail, got married and celebrated our 50th anniversary July the 18th. So there you go. He's in Calgary. And she's in where? So she did live in County Durham. Woo. Nice. Um, I just wanted to say, says Steve in Whitney, that Josie Cunningham is a disgusting human being. Yes, this is the one who got her boobs done, you remember? And then after she got her boobs done, she then decided she didn't want them done, so she wanted them reduced. And then after she got them reduced, then she said she was too famous to actually go on a bus, and so she didn't go on a bus. And so the... Uh, the, uh, the, so the council... Wait a minute, let me get this right. The council then... That's right, yes, you reminded me of this one. The council had to then supply minicabs for her to get her and her kids to school and back again. 
And everybody's saying, well, why don't you just get the bus here, like the rest of the country? And I'm too famous to get the bus. I think the council should have put their foot down. Anyway, owing to a campaign by the Sun newspaper, if I remember correctly, they've now cancelled the cars. Why they even went ahead with it in the first place, I've got no idea. So she's trying to get the kids moved to a, a more local school. Frankly, you know, this disgusting piece of low life, I couldn't really care less about. I couldn't care less whether she's got big boobs, little boobs, whether she's got half a brain cell or nothing. She's learnt how to play the system. She's learnt how to play it quite well. And there's quite a number of people out there. And every time we find one, we expose them, and we tell you how they do it. The worst this morning, though, was uh, was Christopher Copeland, who thieved from Help for Heroes, as far as I'm concerned. I knew a DJ once, a very well-known DJ, uh, who, I don't know if he's working now, somebody sent me a link to something he was doing a short while ago, and I'm always very keen to point out that he set up a children's charity and then thieved from it. Always very keen, and I'd be more than happy to supply names of this uh, particular person, if you want to know. But, uh, uh, I'm a frequent listener from Iowa, Says Tam, I wanted to share with you how much I enjoy listening to your show, even though I haven't got the faintest idea who you're talking about. No, you wouldn't have, actually. I mean, you you really wouldn't know who Katie Price was, even if she turned up on your doorstep and pray to God she doesn't, and Peter Andre. And he says, I totally agree about some of the disgusting TV shows that we air here, such as Toddlers and Tiaras. They only exploit children. Yes, we have it over here. It's disgusting. I'm afraid it's the it's the lowest form of child exploitation. And then to, the worst thing is to exploit them by putting them on the television. I wouldn't mind if the children were attractive. But, you know, I mean, far be it from me. But when you take a little child of two years old and you give them a spray tan, I'm sorry, that's not right. You know, hello, social services. Uh, Sam says, my daughter had to have a medical procedure privately recently. And uh, we arrived at the private clinic. The first person we met was the accountant who took the credit card details, then admitted, met the surgeon's PA, took the card details, the anaesthetist PA. No problem at all. We were private, so we paid. Yes, that's what the NHS should do. The NHS is for people who've paid in in this country. You can have loads of work done at private hospitals, but you cannot have anything done at an NHS hospital. That's for people in this country who have paid in over the years. If you've just arrived on a, what they call a hospital flight, then you can go and check in at a private hospital and they will take your credit card details. You can pay for it. Couldn't care less whether you, whether you pay for it, but you're not getting it for free. OK, and the sooner the government clamp down and the next government will be voted in on clamping down on these people, clamping down on the NHS, handing out, you know, boob transplants and boob enlargements and reductions and things like that on the NHS. When there are people dying of cancer who want a drug that will prolong their life for a bit. I think we need to get the priorities right. And at the moment, we've got them really, really wrong, I'm afraid. Really, really wrong. 84850, uk. Oh, I've lost my... Um, where, where's my um, text messages gone, Probably I never know. Oh, James wanders onto another screen. I think he's playing catch-up or something like that. Do you remember Tetris? Do you ever remember... Oh, you remember Tetris? Oh, right, I thought it was me. Was that the thing with the building blocks, wasn't it? That's right, they all came down. I can't remember how I played it. Or... or yeah, well, I don't think I was much clever at it, much better at it either. But that, I did another one, which was uh, Pac-Man. Do, 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 this little th- well, I used to get quite excited about that. I used to because I hate being chased anyway. And this little this little face, which, chup, 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 like that used to come up behind me. No, stop it, stop it, stop it. To get very frightened, I couldn't do anything else. I I did get nervous actually. Did you get frustrated as well? Pent up. Oh dear, nothing worse at your age is the pent up and frustrated. But there you go. That's South Africa for you, uh, Steve. Uh, I never knew you could rap, says Graham. A whole new career beckons. The Jay-Z of LBC. Yes, I mean, I <laughs> could rap, I suppose, with the best of them. And uh, Alison says, I've got terminal cancer. 
just about to start my fifth different type of chemo, but I've just returned from a wonderful trip to Paris with my sister. I live life to the full. No need for a bucket list, as it's the simple things that mean so much. You're absolutely right. It isn't until you have a health scare, and in your case, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I suppose, get much worse. But to face up to it is the big thing. When my mother was told she was terminal, she was quite methodical. I can only I can only put it in terms of my mother because she was the one who sat down and went right. So she's got to get everything in order. She made sure that everything was done because she didn't know how long she had. They didn't know how long she had either. And she just got on with things. She carried on working until she got to the stage where it was a bit uh, a bit difficult and a bit tiring. But um you know, and I remember trying to get answers out of the consultant, and that was like pulling, pulling teeth, I'm afraid, trying to get answers out. Well, I'm not sure I can tell you this. Oh, God, you were like dragging them over the desk at some point. Um, because it's difficult. You're trying to get answers to something they don't really know everything about. When, they say, when you say how long, if somebody's terminal, they go, well, we don't know. We have to wait. It goes through various stages. In the case of my brother's uh, wife, uh, her her mother dying. They said she won't see Christmas, and she died Christmas Eve. So technically, it was it was sort of near as damn it Christmas. But they were quite right on that. My mother, it was three months from start to finish. But she made sure she got everything done. So when you get children, you've got to do the bucket list, haven't you? You've got to do the things because you don't want to frighten them because they don't know what it is. You want to make sure that the uh, that the passing over from here to wherever it is is going to be as smooth and as pain free as possible. That's all you can ask for. You can't ask for anything else. You can only ask that, you know, people are going to be with them. You just want to be with somebody at the end. You don't want to, to leave them by themselves. But nine out of ten times, that's exactly what happens, I'm afraid. So good luck, Alison. But you've probably got friends around you who tell you that every single day. And, uh, and they say, don't worry, it'll be fine. Uh, Malcolm says, I'm 72 and uh, I attended the funeral of the headmaster of my junior school. He was 102. Oh, there's nothing worse than people who live to 102, is there? It's so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> why, why don't they go sooner? Um, John says, we were in Chinatown near you the other week looking for a buffet restaurant and all the Chinese menus had a set price for eat as much as you like and then said plus service charge. You get up and serve yourself. Yes, it's a right old swizz anywhere. Not just here in London. Not just here in London. All over the place. People and their service charges. Oh, service. You, have, you order a cup of coffee from a little place down the alley here. They have the cheek to put a service charge on it. I always cross it off. I just pay the bill. They can't do anything about it. If they say anything, because sometimes they're, they're, they don't understand what the law is in this country, call the police. OK, just make sure they sort these things out. Westminster Council, they'll all be, uh, all be there. Uh, more on the man with the £75 three bottles of water. I said before, he should have actually ordered food and crisps and stuff like that and made it up, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to actually buying three bottles of water for £75. It's ridiculous, but he could have had sandwiches and everything, which would be much nicer, wouldn't it? Uh, quick time check for you this morning, in case you're, uh, in case you're worrying, because I know some of you do. So give me, I don't know, it looks a bit, bit wet this morning, a little bit as if it could be wet, but I'll give you the weather forecast in a moment. It's quarter past five. <laughs> And Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven as the death toll continues to rise in Gaza and Israel. Nick will be hosting a special debate on the subject. Plus, why are so few couples adopting black boys? And why are two million young adults still living at home? Nick and the team from seven looking at the papers today. Camilla Tomine, the royal editor of the Sunday Express, will be live in the studio. Um, I mentioned, strange enough, I mentioned this, I think, two days ago on the programme, after we were having all the lightning strikes here and the thunder over in Los Angeles, they were having it really bad because over on Venice Beach, 13 people were hurt 
during a freak storm, which sent 300,000 volt bolts to the ground, hurtling beachgoers through the air and leaving cars scorched. Uh, one swimmer died and a surfer was critically injured. Uh, one guy, Stuart Archer, was struck by lightning whilst playing volleyball and survived. He said there was a big flash of light and a boom, and it felt like somebody punched me in the back of my head. The swimmer was 20. So, uh, dangerous. Very, very dangerous. There's also the story of a taxi driver in the paper today. This is in the Mail, who was given a hackney licence, despite being banned from the road nine times. David Bailey was driving on the wrong side of the road whilst overtaking a car when he smashed into Sarah Burke. A court heard he was given a council cab licence just days before the smash, despite his appalling driving record. Anyways, we found guilty and jailed for seven years and banned from the roads for seven years. Given a hackney licence by Sunderland City Council, despite eight previous convictions for driving whilst disqualified and nine bans. Two previous convictions for dangerous driving, ten for theft of a motor vehicle, five for driving with no insurance and one for driving whilst disqualified. They must be as dim as planks up there in Sunderland Council. And this they gave a licence to. Oh, don't worry, you can have a driving licence. Let me just repeat those again. So... Eight previous convictions for driving whilst disqualified and nine bans. Two previous convictions for dangerous driving. Ten for theft of a motor vehicle. Five for driving with no insurance and one for driving whilst disqualified. Small wonder they sent him back to prison for seven years. You ever heard of such a thing? Oh, and by the way, Stephen Whitstable, absolutely, that is the DJ. And uh, he thieved from loads of people. I'm always amazed that people say, oh, he was so funny on the radio. No, he wasn't. He was a thieving so-and-so, I'm afraid. And uh, nasty, violent, horrid man who ruined every opportunity. Yes, I mean, I was, I was quite grateful when he disappeared from the scene, I have to be honest. Uh, this is uh, Vinny. Well, it's Vince, really. Why do people... If you're called Vince, Vince is such a good name. Why would you want to shorten it to Vinny? It's like James. You can't shorten James to anything else, can you? Can you? Well, you probably can. I don't... Have you ever had it shortened? Is that a nickname? Wow. What? Oh, right. What's, it's, what's, what's your nickname? Is it, is it rude? Oh, right. Willie. Oh, right. Because your surname is Wilson. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Well, I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, no, James, you can't shorten to anything, can you? It'd be different if you, you know, if it was sort of something else and you thought you could sort of um, take it to, to another level, but you can't. It's one of those good. Uh, how's your diet going, says Lynn? Not particularly well. I've lost three stones since I just stuck to breakfast, then fruit, lunch and another piece of fruit, then dinner, finishing off with a biscuit and a cup of tea. God, that sounds disastrous for me. I couldn't exist on anything like that. You know what I'm craving at the moment? And it's only because I've got an interview today for In Conversation. I was thinking toasted bacon sandwich. And then I thought, no, no, take the idea out of your mind. Take the idea out of your mind. It does sound good, though, doesn't it? Toasted bacon on white. Sounds absolutely delicious. <laughs> uh, have you seen that rubbish on the box, says Mark, called I Want to Marry Harry? Uh, it's an American programme, isn't it? I think it's been dropped in America. Whether it's showing... I don't know if it's showing over here. I'm assuming you must have watched it over here. But I... Uh, but I, I, it, it didn't interest me in the slightest. I don't know why we keep going on about Harry and going that, you know, all the Americans love him, which I don't think they do. Uh, Dom says, I'm up as well. A lot of people impressed by my rapping this morning. <laughs> uh, an 8 for 850. Uh, and Spencer says, I've been listening to your show for two weeks. You're my new hero. There you go. You see, I'm, I'm somebody's hero. Not quite a superhero, but a, a hero nevertheless. Uh, who's that a picture of? Oh, it's, you know, every time I look at Joan Collins... And I can't believe she's 81. I mean, she's absolutely no sign of slowing down. She turned up at Saint-Tropez uh, for a party there. I mean, it's unbe- this is uh, Percy Gibson, who's pictured with her, her fifth husband. Her fifth husband. I see that um, uh, Guy Pelly 
makes the newspapers today. It's not very often that Guy Pelly makes the newspapers. This is Prince Harry's friend. And uh, his uh, drink-driving convictions after being caught behind the wheel of his high-powered sports car on the way home appear to have cost him more than his licence. The close friend of William and Harry was in line to become a field master in the Duke of Beaufort's hunt, in which he has ridden since a teenager, and he confirms he turned down the coveted post with the 250-year-old hunt when his drink-driving court case was pending and claims it was because he'd be too busy in the first year of marriage to holiday in heiress Lizzie Wilson. However... The experts say that a driving ban would have made it impossible for him to carry out his duties. It's interesting, actually. He, he went to Stowe, and um, he was uh, he was a very able master of the beagles at Stowe when he was there, although prone to bringing back live rabbits from the field and leaving on his tutor's desk. Apparently, Stowe's produced more masters of the hunt than any other school, and, of course, he does have, he does have the patronage of William and Harry, who apparently don't get out very much. So they have to go along to a Guy Pelly club because presumably he comps them everywhere because he's a friend. And if it's your friend, you get comped, don't you? That's, that's generally how it happens. Front page of the, uh, the Express today. Hove on the Sussex coast. Rain and hail. I mean, it's anything like it. London, nothing at all. And uh, in, in Hove, they've got hailstones which rain down a bit. It looks like snow. In fact, I suppose technically it is. Worthing train station, dreadful. Hove basement flats got really... Got really done over, I'm afraid. Absolutely terrible. Whereas in some parts of the country, nothing. It just went dark, and then it got light again. Uh, oh, the good news is... Oh, goodness sake, I was so happy. This is the best news of the morning. I like to bring you one good story, and unfortunately quite a few bad stories. And the good story today is that Andy Murray's mother has said no to Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, thank God for that. Apparently, Andy Murray has told his mother not to appear. Yes, well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, a, that's a very, very good idea. And um, she said, if I could dance with any tennis player, it would be Feliciano Lopez, who I call Deliciano. He looks a bit like the Roma girl. Obviously something quite strange about Andy Murray's mother, isn't there, really? But anyway, she's not going to be doing it. So that's good, isn't it? Uh, a gang today facing jail for a brilliant but dishonest fraud which saw nearly £650,000 stolen from uh, one of Britain's leading cancer hospitals. Stacey Tiplett siphoned the cash into accounts operated by fellow crooks and blew most of her share on her wedding day. She stole from the Royal Marsden Foundation Trust, treated herself to a model helicopter, and yesterday she sobbed in the dock as, uh, as she was sent off to uh, prison, I believe. So that's, uh, that's good news. I love it when they sob in the dock. You know, I'd make you sob in the dock as well. In a massive abuse of trust... Uh, ten years of loyal service diverted huge sums from genuine suppliers into accounts run by fellow crooks. They went to Selfridges, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, the Apple Store, and um, one gang member even spent the hospital cash on skydiving lessons. £642,828 diverted to six different accounts. When she was arrested... Stacey Tiplett. She denied any knowledge of the crime, but then claimed she and Chaplin, Scott Chaplin, had only taken part after being threatened by others. Anyway, she deeply regrets taking part in the crime and being parted from her children, one age four and the other nine months. Well, that's your fault, isn't it, love? Your fault. And uh, so, um, so they've got it. They've, they've paid for it, which is good. Dreadful, isn't it, really? And uh, one of the... Uh, she, she was uh, described by the judge, Anthony Leonard QC, as a highly professional, highly sophisticated and skilled operator. 
He said, I've not seen a better plot in quite a few years. I mean, you know, it could have been spent on vital cancer drugs. So for all of you here, this is the woman you need to write to. Stacey Tipler. She's the one. She's thieved your money. I love it when they cry in the dots because they get caught. Low levels. Low levels. Europe's most colourful bird resting in uh, Britain for only the third time in a century is uh, bee eaters. Have you ever seen bees? They eat bees. Seems a bit odd, doesn't it, really? But a pair of bee eaters have been taking insects into a sandy burrow, suggesting they've got chicks. I don't like the idea that they eat bees, because I, f- I feel, you know, eating a bee is like sort of dicing with death, isn't it? Because bees have got stings on them. But they're, these uh, ones have been found. Uh, they're on the Isle of Wight. I know that there'll be twitchers everywhere going, where, 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 where? They're going over there. And people sit there quite happily, don't they? We found another one here. This is uh, Amanda Cassily. And uh, Andrew Hayes, a pair of thieving little benefit cheats. She's ugly. And uh, they could have gone to prison, but the judge let them off for the sake of their children. The Department of Work and Pensions are now to try to recover the money. Well, let's start going round, take away their car, take away their colour televisions, take away everything, take away the curtains, take away the furniture, let them sit on the floor. I mean, let's face it, you need to get her. She should have gone to prison straight away, and he should have gone. I mean, um... £120,000 they thieve from you, ladies and gentlemen. So Amanda Cassily, 34, and Andrew Hayes, 39, although she looks about 70. Uh, they, they pocketed the money for 10 years by pretending they were living apart. It's obviously dead easy to fool the DSS, isn't it? Can't be that difficult. Everybody manages to get away with it. I cannot believe it. How stupid are they down there? The answer is they must be very stupid. LBC uh, time. It's 530 <laughs> Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 29 minutes to 6, Tuesday morning. I'm looking out the window. It looks a bit murky. It does look a little bit murky, so I know what you're going to ask. You're going to say, so what is the weather for today? I shall tell you the weather for today is dry, mostly sunny, uh, feeling quite warm. Any of those overnight showers, which I haven't seen at all, should quickly ease with cloud breaking up, leaving a dry, very warm and fluffy day. Uh, The high today, 26 degrees. God, again... I can't cope with it. It's horrible to sleep, isn't it, and stuff like that. Uh, Mostly dry overnight, variable amounts of cloud. Uh, Tending to clearer skies later in the night, feeling a little cooler. I love it when it's cool in the morning. I love it when it's cool. 16 degrees centigrade. Wednesday, dry, bright, sunny spells high, 24 degrees. Parking charges. Oh, not so good. Parking charges, not so good. Uh, They're still hurting motorists. One man got a ticket at red lights. He was only waiting there for them to change. I feel like moving backwards and forwards. And uh, remember Philip Hammond's words on the first day as Transport Secretary? He says, we will end the war on the motorist. <laughs> Quite clearly not. If you want to drive into uh, certain places like Berwick-upon-Tweed, um, it's an oversight here. They're still going up. They haven't signed the peace treaty. So, in fact, uh, another one here. Joyce Sale, who was fined 70 quid for pulling up for seven seconds whilst looking for a parking space in Birmingham. Daniel Wiggins, who was fined by Kingston Council for pulling into an empty bus lane to let through four police motorbikes. Or Victor Hawkins, who was fined 70 quid for stopping in Bradford at a red light. It's absolutely appalling. Kingston-upon-Thames Council, which fined Daniel Wiggins, raised nearly a million pounds in a year from bus lane and box junction cameras. They're horrible. Mind you, not half as bad, I'm afraid, as down in Richmond, where they seem to have 24-hour parking. At one time, it used to be free, didn't it, after seven at night or eight at nine or something like that. And now they've discovered that's the way forward. 
doesn't encourage people to go anywhere at all. Although chaos in Twickenham as they're resurfacing the road outside Waitrose is obviously the biggest expense of all time, but they've screwed up hugely, I'm afraid. They're sort of trying to make out, that sort of. Tw- although the, ever since they've opened up the bus lanes and things, the people we've had coming in from Hounslow, ghastly, absolutely ghastly. It's not going on the world, I'm afraid. Talking of another world, uh, Amy Winehouse's uh, father is releasing a second album in her memory. I really don't think he should sing. I really think we've had enough of that kind of thing. So every song tells a personal story. Lovely. That's fine. I think it's finished. I think it needs to finish very, very quickly. And uh, a picture here of, uh, of Lily Allen. Couldn't sell her last album, could she? Even though she was, she was out and, uh, you know, doing quite lots of, you know, lots of publicity and stuff like that. But it just didn't work. Uh, there's, there's no explanation, is there, for what albums you choose to buy and what albums you choose not to buy. And I don't know if it's a television advert that will sell it or if it's somebody going around doing interviews with the likes of me or This Morning or whoever it happens to be. I don't know what the answer is. Because generally speaking, I, th- I think the one thing I've noticed, albums are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You go out there and you think, at one time you used to get 20 tracks on an album. The only time you get 20 or 21 tracks on an album is when you buy Now Music 88, which has got, I think, 21 tracks on one side and something like 19 on the other. It's really good value for money. And yet some other artists' albums come out, you begin to wonder why they even bothered going into the studio. Has anybody seen the, uh, the Sarah Harding album? Don't think so. Anybody bought it? Don't think so. Anybody buying the... I'm assuming there must be a Cheryl Cole... Sorry, Cheryl Versini uh, album out. Although it doesn't matter, actually. You don't need to do his surname because she's just called Cheryl, which is good. Um, the big problem for young people living at home, they don't move out. You know why? Can't afford to. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about this this morning. Why are they still at home? They can't afford to go anywhere else. They could just about afford to pay rent in London. Flats cost a fortune. Most people have to share. And sometimes you're sharing with people you don't know, which is not particularly brilliant. Sometimes it works. In a lot of cases, it doesn't. It's better that you live with people that you knew from uni or from college or something like that. And, uh, and that way, at least you know who they are. If you're living with perfect strangers, that's, that's terrible, isn't it? Because you don't know them. How can you trust these people? Uh, a couple have married after an engagement lasting 42 years. 42 years. They decided not to rush into marriage. So David Barker and Daphne Thorpe finally thought that the time was right after 40 years waiting for the right moment. And uh, so at the age of 82, she said yes. (laughs) 82, I don't know. Well, mind you, listen, it's worked. 42-year engagement. And she's gone, yes, I think now the time is right. At least they've, you know, they've, they've got through life. And she said, I'm so excited to spend the rest of my life with the man of my dreams. So I think that's great, you know, when you get that that kind of kind of romantic thing. And people say that romance is dead. No, it is not. New figures. How long did it take you to get to work in the morning? How long, when you think about it, I mean, at one time, you could walk down the road, you could be at work in ten minutes. Most people seem to spend an average of, a, of a more than an hour a day. That's just coming into work. So you're spending a few hours. So your your journey, you know, can actually take you for ages. I mean, uh, even those places which aren't so far flung from the more prosperous southeast throw up statistical anomalies. In Crawley, in West Sussex, most people commute to nearby Reigate, Horsham, Guildford or London. 709 of them go as far as West Oxfordshire, which is a commute of 95 miles or two hours, so long as the M25 is clear. Quite normal, isn't it, to spend two hours in the car getting to work, only to then hunt around for the parking space, and then at the end of the day to turn around and come home again. So some people don't get home till nine o'clock at night. 
literally enough time, I should imagine, to come in, have something to eat, and climb into bed. You know, if you've got children, you go, hello, pat them on the head, and that's it's Mary Poppins all over again, isn't it? You don't see them. Last year, it was reported 1.8 million Brits were travelling three hours or more for work. This is one way. One way. I did read a story some years ago of a man who commuted from Scotland every day. He came down from Scotland. He started at something like five o'clock in the morning. So he was in London for, I think, 9.30 or something like that. He would do his day's work, get back on, back on the train at six o'clock, and then he'd be back home by about ten. And you think to yourself, how do people sustain that? But the answer is, you do. Because you have to go, you know, where, where the work is. I mean, the, the world's shortest commute is either Malawi, where commuting time is about two minutes. Two, imagine a two-minute commute. We live in hope. Live in hope. Or among Britain's 5.4% of employees who work from home and merely have to stumble out of bed to reach the desk. I know some radio presenters who do that. They have what they call a, a line-in. And so they, they wake out of bed, they put on the headphones, and somebody goes, morning, you go, ready, OK. And then, and then you do, well, I'd, I'd never get dressed. Imagine doing a whole programme like that, where you sort of think, I'll just have tea and toast. We're just going to an ad break. OK, I'm just going to make a piece of toast. And then you pop back in again. Uh, the worst possible commute for your personal happiness is a journey of 30 minutes or more on a bus. I bet there's people who sit longer than that on a bus in London. In London, it seems to me that we all, we all just commute. We don't, we don't think about anything else at all. We, don't, we just assume that we're going to have to queue for the underground. We're going to have to queue for the train station. At some point, your little Oyster card isn't going to work. Can you use Oyster Card over the country, does it, or is it just London? Just London, is it? Perhaps maybe some, some train. Yes, because I can use mine on the on overground trains. So I'm assuming if you're going to Reading, it'll take you down as far as Reading, and presumably if it gets you down there, it must better get you back again. But I, I always think, whenever I go to Waterloo Station, which I always think is possibly one of the busiest, but it's only because it's the only one I know, I feel sorry for all the people as they pour off the train. They look exhausted, and they haven't even got to work. So I always, I always extend sympathy to people going, it's OK for us who work at these hours, because by the time you're coming into work, we're going home the other way. And all the, ki- all the kids look half asleep on the train, sit there thinking, poor little souls. Jeremy Clarkson must go. This is the call in a lot of the, uh, the papers. The BBC is under fresh pressure after he used an offensive racial term deliberately. Ofcom found that the BBC breached the broadcasting code when he used a a derogatory term for people of Asian descent in a Top Gear show filmed in Burma and screened in March. Lawyers for the complainant, says Clarkson, should be fired. Lawrence Davis of the law firm Equal Justice said, when it comes to racism, Clarkson is a serial offender. He's already on a final written warning and must be immediately disciplined. And uh, a BBC apologised for time in any offence and said, uh, we dealt with this matter some time ago. The programme apologised and explained the content. We're now focusing on delivering another series of one of Britain's best-loved shows. In other words, the BBC are saying to these uh, people, go away, we're not taking any... We're not going to fire Jeremy Clarkson. Not just because one person complained, or I think two in the case of this. I'd never even heard this word before. Well, I'd heard the word. I had no idea it was a derogatory term for an Asian person. I'm obviously out the loop or something on these things. There's obviously words out there that I've got no idea about. And this was one of them. But Jeremy Clarkson makes these kind of things all the time. It all started for me when he sort of... He described a car as being gay. You know, how you have a gay car, I don't know. It's like somebody the other day, they were, they were describing cakes and said, what's the gayest cake? And I said, I've got no idea. They went, Battenberg. I said, how's Battenberg a gay cake? And they went, it just looks gay. 
That's what, because it's pink and, um, pink and yellow. Kind of sponge. I never thought about a gay cake before. I thought a, I thought a walnut whip could be a, a gay sweet. <laughs> it's funny, you yeah, exactly. But, but, but sort of poor old Jeremy Clarkson. I say poor old Jeremy Clarkson because quite clearly he's either a bit of a Neanderthal and he doesn't realise some of the things he's saying. But the BBC is going to be concentrating on other things at the moment. We've got more than enough to worry about. Heavens above, we're still trying to come to terms with the Jimmy Savile debacle. That one's not gone away any time soon. And a load of other people as well. Do you know, one in four, this is the story that Nick's covering. It's on the front of the Metro today. One in four workers aged between 20 to 34 can't afford to leave their parents home. Why would you want to? Your mum makes your bed, does your cooking, does your washing and ironing. Why would you want to leave that? It's like living in a hotel. Must be absolutely fantastic. That's what parents used to say. You treat this place like a hotel. The uh, the £75 pound for the three bottles of water is in every single paper. Every single paper. And I don't really know why. Because it's that's what they charge in this hotel. They have a minimum spend. Had he ordered a pot of coffee and some sandwiches, then he could have spent the £25. Because he chose only to have three bottles of water, that's why it was £75. But he could have actually... He could have done a lot better. An awful lot better. A banker has complained he's had to give up his £2 million home and New York lifestyle after he lost a divorce battle. Former city trader Jan Assoon plans to appeal a settlement awarded in Britain to his ex-wife. He said, it leaves me living in New York City with an amount which will eventually be very difficult to survive... He was ordered to hand over about 294000 a year to Miss Assoon, which allegedly leaves him with about £80,000 to live on. 88000 well, I don't know, it's a bit of a hardship, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how you survive on 88000 a year. You know, if you're a high-flying tycoon, you'd want to have a little bit more money, wouldn't you? That'd be quite nice. 88, I don't know how much it takes to live in London nowadays. Some people live on peanuts, don't they? Some people don't even eat. You know, you have to eat. I wonder who these people are who live on air. And they go, oh, I'm earning... How much are you earning? And they go, 12000 a year. I'm, what are you doing? They go, I'm working in a shop. 12000 a year? How are you wanting that one? Almost as bad as the woman and her, her babies is on benefits and can afford to spend £4,000 on spray tans and clothing and everything else. And I'd quite like to know, from jobless Sophie Mae Dixon, I'd quite like to know, darling, exactly why you are prevented from working. If you've got some some disability or something we're not aware of, because you seem to manage very well on benefits, and you're only 22, I'm assuming you will at some point actually get off your bottom and get out there and do a job. I'm hoping it's soon. You know, one lives in hope. Quarter to six is the time. Still to come, the Tunnock's Tea Cake Girl. You try saying that at this time of the morning. 12 minutes to uh, six. Surely, says Philip, James is shortened to Jim, isn't it? Only on council estates. I don't think it's uh, anything around here at all. Never heard of that. James, or failing that, uh, Julietta says, surely the diminutive for James is Jimmy. Lord above, I'm so sorry. Yes. Uh, we, I mean, we don't like that at all, I'm afraid. No, he, he definitely doesn't want to be called Jimmy. See you, Jimmy. None of that kind of stuff. Oh, God, that was probably considered something awful. Um, uh, interested, says uh, Ron in, uh, new, uh, in North Yorkshire, who the dodgy DJ is. Um, I'll, I'll find a way of telling you. <laughs> my commute, says Adam, is between two to two and a half hours each way from Ashford, stroke Folkestone, to East London. Luckily, I get most of your show in the morning. Red Bull aplenty. I feel very sorry people have to drink Red Bull in the morning to try and get through the commute. It must be horrible, isn't it? I mean, the best thing is to make sure that you're actually on the train when it arrives empty, because you don't want to get on there and say, excuse me, excuse me, and then you're sitting down. 
And then, of course, the person said, they, they need to get up before you. Oh, excuse me. I spent all my time moving my legs left, right. So it's like doing a dance on the train. Horrible, isn't it, really? I don't know how people cope. I'd rather, to be honest with you, sit in traffic and be in my own space than actually come into town commuting every day. I go home by train, but then luckily I'm, I'm fairly lucky because it's actually not too bad. It's, it's fairly straightforward and I don't have to worry about people sort of jamming me in everywhere. Simon in Fulham says, when I was a student nurse, I had to travel from Parsons Green in Fulham to Harrowwood in Essex. My journey started on the district line to Mile End, changed onto the central line to Stratford, then the overground train to Harold Wood. Total journey time, one way, three hours plus. To do that every day. I mean, I know that Tebbit said, you know, to get work, you've got to get on your bike. But, of course, it's far too dangerous to go on bikes now. And I wouldn't want to cycle across London. I've done it once before. Not good at all. Really not nice. And uh, on the subject of uh, Mr Clarkson, as usual, says Tony, double BBC standards. They sacked the local radio DJ for playing the wrong record that was seen as racist. And yet a slap on the wrist for Clarkson as the Top Gear show makes huge amounts of money around the world. Well, of course... You don't think the BBC actually care? That's what I used to love about their, their points of view programme. They'd have the points of view. It's a case of, we hear what you're saying, but we're not going to do anything about it. Well, I'm, I'm terribly sorry I didn't see that as being racist from Clarkson at all. I think Ofcom chose differently. And, that's, and we were told this was after the last racist comment. And all the BBC, you'll be talking to some jumped up little stuffed shirt somewhere. They'll be going, well, I don't think so. We want, to, we want to be positive and go forward. I mean, what does he have to say? He's used everything from the N-word all the way through and still... They haven't done anything about it. Perhaps they're frightened of him. Perhaps the little jumped up with the starched collar is very frightened. I don't know. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. Um, uh, I work in the meat market. Our salesman lived in France and had to get in at 3am, says Alan. Blimey. Wow. Uh, if we dump Clarkson for politically incorrect comments, the Duke of Edinburgh better watch his back. But that's he's the Duke of Edinburgh. He's not employed by the BBC, which is being paid for by us. Being paid for by us. Admittedly, there are only two complaints about this, because probably most of it went over your head. I didn't understand it. I said to the producer, I said, had, had you ever heard that before? He hadn't heard it before either. Had you, Jimmy? You'd never heard that. Oh, okay, I see you, Jimmy. He hates that. Absolutely hates it. Isn't it funny? James sounds quite sort of, you know, reasonably upmarket. Jimmy. Sounds a bit naff. I'm sorry to say that to Jimmy's everywhere. I don't get many many emails and texts from Jimmy's. James, yes, because it sounds a bit bit posher. I'm trying to think what what the what the poshest name would be for a boy. Sebastian, I suppose. I like I quite. You don't know so many Sebastians. I don't know any Sebastians at all. But uh, but Jimmy, the moment you said it, his face dropped. I thought, oh dear, that'll be a report to HR or something. Uh, Steve, my commute of a Friday. It's 280 miles home to Cornwall, and Sunday night, back straight into work. I stay in Chigwell of a weekday, but either drive or train home of the weekend. Wow. That's a long... That's 280 miles. See, I think it's OK. 280 miles. If you get a seat on a train, you've got people standing next to you reading papers or failing that. The worst thing is clutching a cup of coffee. People who get on trains with a cup of coffee, ban them. Shoot them. Have people there, you know, taking them off the train, taking them out and getting rid of them immediately. Because it's too dangerous. The train lurches. It's like buses. You know, the moment you can guarantee I stand up on a bus to get off at Waterloo is the moment we kangaroo into the bus stop. Like that. In fact, because I'm quite good at doing balancing. The head's all over the place, but the balancing bit I'm fairly good at. And I'm convinced that one of these days there's going to be an old lady. You want to dress somebody up as a really, really old lady. And when he breaks very hard, get them to fall over and go, oh, my God, she's cracked her head open. You know, just, I mean, I'll just 
It's the kind of sick person I am this morning, I'm afraid. But I have, how I've ever managed to make it without doing myself dreadful damage. Uh, Sue says, have you seen the front of the Sun newspaper? Where have you been? Been here since four o'clock in the morning. Of course we've seen the front of the Sun. And uh, this, this kid with the sign of the devil. I mean, you know, he's going to be targeted by some people, isn't he? He is going to be targeted by some people. They're actually going to believe that this is the mark of the, of the devil as opposed to it looks like a hairdryer. You know, it's a ridiculous thing to say for, for somebody of that age. Uh, I used to work with somebody called James, says Richard, but in the office he was called Jay. Well, I don't think he wants to be called Jay either, I'm afraid. No, it's James. I mean, we've always called him James. I mean, he has another name as well, but that's when he goes dressed on a Friday night, so it's completely different. But, I mean, the rest of the time, it's, it's James. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien, says Vince. It's <laughs> ladies named the Jimmy O'Brien Show. Doesn't quite sound the same, does it? Anyway, here's, here's this nursery worker. I promised to tell you about her from, from, from Glasgow. Her name is Amy McIntosh, and she's 25, and she works in a nursery, the Woodlands Day Nursery in Houston, Renfrewshire. But because of the Commonwealth Games, they were advertising for people, and uh, she's off sick. Uh, They think with tonsillitis. Now, I I don't know anything about tonsillitis. I've never had it. So um, she didn't ask for any time off rehearsals, which began three weeks ago, and then she went sick. And so you imagine their surprise at the Woodlands Day Nursery when they turn on the television to watch the opening ceremony. And, uh, and there she is, bold as Brant, dancing around, looking like a Tunnock's tea cake. Big smile on her face. Apparently she wasn't well enough to go to work, but she was well enough to do the rehearsals and go for this. I mean, quite clearly, whichever way it is, she's an old fraud. Games makers were told last... Uh, told months ago if they'd been chosen for the show. After the ceremony, friends posted messages on her Facebook saying, look like you're having so much fun, you're a star. She's only holding a Tunnock's tea cake on her head, for goodness sake. I think actually the boss of Tunnock's might listen to this programme. Anyway, last night she confirmed she'd been off sick at the time of the ceremony, saying, I've been signed off sick by our doctor and have a referral for the hospital. Well, quite clearly you're not sick, are you, dear? If you're that sick, you don't dance around like a tea cake, having had endless rehearsals. So it's whichever way you look at it, you've not been entirely honest, have you? Not been entirely honest with these, uh, with the people that you work for. Because you might have a letter from a doctor, dear, but, that, but did you sit there and go, oh, I don't feel at all well. Oh, a tonic tea cake. la di da di da di da da You know, doesn't kind of work. Doesn't work for me. Certainly doesn't work for a lot of other people, especially the, uh, the people at the nursery who are a little bit disappointed. A little bit disappointed. Uh, the benefits for EU migrants will be cut off after three months, says the Prime Minister, as he promises coalition changes will put Britain first. Uh, the British Bake Off is back with the ghastly Paul Hollywood. I don't know, every time I see him, he just makes my flesh creep. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's because he cheated on the wife, and then he did the old smarmy bit, and they did photos of getting them back together and everything else. But we love Mary Berry. Love Mary Berry. And uh, Bryony Gordon as well. And I know Bryony Gordon's mother. Very well. Jane Gordon used to be a regular on my programme doing the papers ages and ages ago. Uh, The interesting thing is that whatever Mr Cameron is saying now, it's too late. You should have said it ages and ages ago. The England and Welsh Cricket Board have defended Moeen Ali's decision to wear a Save Gaza wristband. See, I thought they were banned. I thought cricketers were banned under international rules from wearing any sort of political slogan. Uh, Anyway, he's under investigation by the International Cricket Council. He's a British-born Muslim. He could be guilty of breaching ICC regulations designed to regulate logos and sponsorship, but which also covers messages which relate to political, religious or racial activities or causes. 
And the code reads, players and team officials should not be permitted to wear, display or otherwise convey messages through armbands or other items affixed to clothing. That's exactly what he was doing. He was uh, wearing one here with Save Gaza and Free Palestine. So it'll be quite interesting. The cricket board has made it clear they don't believe he's committed any offence. But uh, the ICC say he has. I mean, if he's, if he's charged with the offence, the England management is expected to argue he was not making, making a political statement, but a humanitarian one. He's making a political statement. Don't try and twist it. You can see what he's doing. It's, I mean, I, I suppose, equally, help for heroes? Would that be the same sort of thing? But that, I don't think so. That's not a political statement, help for heroes. That's a charity set up to help people. We're not saying set up to help people injured in Afghanistan, set up to help people injured in Iraq, set up to help people, uh, you know, mistreated around the world. But, I mean, when you've got something that says save Gaza and free Palestine, that's a political statement. Help for heroes is not a political statement. That's just the support of a charity which covers all sorts of people. That doesn't sort of just target one particular group, does it? 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, somebody says, I paint my nails on the train and don't see it as a problem. Dirty person. Dirty person, I'm afraid. People who do their makeup on the train. Even one of the women columnists wrote the other day and said, uh, I'm sorry, people who do their makeup on the, on the train, tramps. You know, you do it at home. You don't sit there doing your makeup, you know, because you haven't had enough time at home. Because generally speaking, I think that if, you, if you're on the train doing your makeup, you probably haven't had a shower or a bath. I've generally got a feeling that that could be the direction we're heading in. My son is Sebastian, but everybody calls him Seb. Whether he's good or naughty, I call him Sebastian, says George. My other half is Rupert, which is quite a posh name. Not as bad as Tarquin or Sebastian. Well, I think Tar Tarquin, I don't know anybody called Tarquin at all. But I, I quite like the idea of somebody called Sebastian. Rupert's quite normal. We have a newsreader called Rupert Bartier, as you know. And uh, I don't think that's posh, it's, although he is actually quite, quite posh. But Sebastian is such a good name. I think, it's, uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of those names that, because the only time I've ever heard of it is uh, Sebastian Flight. It came out of Brideshead Revisited. That's the, that's the only time, the only, only time. Uh, Eid. Across the world, Muslims have come together to mark Eid. Is it time, they say, for the rest of Britain to join in the celebrations? Loads of people were celebrating yesterday. I saw lots of people going off to celebrate Eid. And a culture of fiddling at Lloyd's. It's cost them £217 million in fines. All of that and more coming up very, very shortly. Coming up to six o'clock, lots more to come on your early morning breakfast show with me, Steve Allen. Lisa Aziz is going to be here at 6.30 with the news. Still no sign of Lauren Goodger's sex tape. But she made it all up just to garner a bit of cheap, free publicity. Um, Malaysian Airlines could be renamed. They're beginning to think it's uh, jinxed. Ready, steady, cook star Ross Burton has died at the age of 45. He's had leukaemia and uh, then it developed further and he died at home with friends. Oh, and Claire Balding wants more women's sport on television. So good for her. She generally gets what she wants. And we drink too much. We're not interested in other cultures and we have bad eating habits. Who are... This is LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Tuesday. I can't believe it's Tuesday. It'll be Christmas very shortly. Just to really depress you, apparently, in about two weeks or three weeks' time, Costco are going to be having their Christmas merchandise in. Mind you, every television programme that makes Christmas cards is, is up and running already, and some of them are even selling Christmas items. I mean, I wouldn't mind. We haven't even reached August, have we? We are still in July. Incidentally, you've only got a couple of days left to pay your tax if you're self-employed. 
have remembered to pay your tax, haven't you? You want the tax man to come jumping down your, down your throat? Uh, Ross Burton, the Ready Steady Cook star, has died. He was only 45. He died of leukaemia. And he was on television a few years ago in this country. And uh, Britons drink too much. There's a surprise. All of that and the fact that Claire Balding wants more women's sport on television. I thought we got loads... I mean, I've been, I'll tell you what I watched the other day. And I'm, I'm, I'm only interested in so much as, you know, it reminds me of my early childhood. I watched them um, at the Commonwealth Games doing that stuff where they jump across the floor and then spin in the air a few times and then land on their feet and go, ta-da! And, and that kind of thing. And they run from one side to the other. It all looks terribly good and fit. And I think to myself, do you know, not in a million years was I ever able to do anything like that. But I'm in total admiration of uh, of the sportsmen and women who can do it. And we do cover sport, I think, very well in this country. So, as Claire Balding says, she needs girls to see women achieving. But they do. Every time you open up the papers, there are women achieving. I mean, Katie Price has achieved quite a lot in her life. And uh, who else? Olympic gold medalist Amy Williams is engaged after a 12-week romance with a soldier she met on the dating app Tinder. I don't even know what that is. I'm assuming it's one of those sort of dating sites where you go onto it and you can meet, meet sort of people and stuff like that. But anyway, she started dating, she said, after struggling to meet people in her home city. That's a shame, isn't it, really? And uh, it's, it's all to do with sort of Facebook profiles and stuff like that. And so uh, people do meet people that way. But there are... I'm slightly disturbed by this sinister Satan sign that's myst- uh, mysteriously appeared on a four-year-old boy, proving a devil to explain. So they've got a picture of this four-year-old boy with his shirt off in the papers today. Uh, and his mother going, it's the sign of the devil. And, and I'm thinking to myself, surely not in the year 2014. In the same way that people have written in to... The, uh, the free paper, Metro, after they were talking the other day about how shocked some people were that John Barrowman did a gay kiss. A gay kiss, can you imagine? Perished the thought in the year 2014 at the Commonwealth Games. He did it as, uh, as retaliation for those countries who still have homosexuality as illegal. It was done particularly to annoy them. Seems to have upset a few other people as well. And then other people have now written in to Metro saying, you're going to be so embarrassed when you look at these headlines in the paper, you know, in, in sort of 20 years' time, going, we really got upset over things like that. And the answer is yes. People, when you think about it, whenever they made Hollywood films years ago, the actress had to have one foot on the floor. So it didn't make it look to, sort of too too sexual, I suppose. But times, they have changed. Everything changes now. Who'd have thought years ago we'd have had a, a lifestyle that went for 24 hours in London? Who'd have thought we'd have 24-hour radio? Who'd have thought that we'd have fast food 24 hours a day? Who'd have thought that you could spend £75 on three little bottles of water in a London hotel? Who would have thought? The answer is nobody. Every single day is, uh, is something interesting in the newspapers. There's a... Uh, the Sun has got to the bottom of Kim Kardashian's legendary bottom. Uh, they printed a picture of a fella spraying her bottom on a boat and uh, and then they sort of stuck um, sand all over it for a photo shoot. She's a bit tacky and, uh, in fact, the rest of the Kardashians are slightly tacky, I'm afraid. And we know that she's been surgi- surgically enhanced in the rear department. Uh, don't fear flying. Disasters were freak coincidences. Given the recent spate of major air tragedies, it's not uh, conspiracy theorists who suspect something sinister's uh, going on. It is the most safe form of transport, isn't it? Flying. It just appears that, you know, when you had on July the 17th uh, 
flight MH17 in Ukraine. July the 24th, no survivors in the Air Algeria jet in Mali. Uh, 23rd of July, that shattered plane that crash-landed in Taiwan. It does look as though there is some sort of strange force that is at work, but the air experts are trying to reassure people as much as they can about travelling. It is still the safest thing. I remember when we had all the uh, the trouble over the bombings in this country, and all of a sudden flights from America practically dried up. The Americans weren't remotely interested in coming to this country, and it took a little while to try and explain that, you know, it's still OK. It's still OK to come here. And luckily, we're now absolutely chock-a-block with tourists, which, of course, we welcome with open arms. So they'll all be waking up nice and early, at this time, probably, because this is the time that they all wake up because they get on their coaches and they go to Windsor and they go to all sorts of places and they enjoy what we have to offer. Although, I mean, I'd love to get on a train. I was talking about train journeys the other day on the programme, saying, you know, provided I was in, you know, the, the buffet car or the restaurant car, I could sit on a train forever and a day. I love going, going uh, across the other side to France. I thought that was great. Uh, I think I'm right, says Lynn, that people in Scotland don't have to pay for prescriptions. It's a bit unusual for a doctor to prescribe dressing up as a Tunnock's tea cake for a sore throat. Yes, I mean, I, I would agree. Also, the fact she's smiling, so she can't be that ill, can she? I think she was obviously... I mean, why she wasn't honest with them, I've got no idea. But we do get that. They go, oh, look, there's... Wait a minute, aren't they off sick? Yes, she was off sick. And she goes, I've got a note from the doctor. Yeah, but you probably didn't tell him that you were able to dress up as a Tunnock's tea cake and dance around with a big smile on your face. The funny thing is that her, her friend says, noticed you right away, shining bright like the star that you are. She's dressed as a Tunnock's tea cake, for goodness sake. Don't get too excited about the whole thing. Ridiculous, isn't it? Um, there's uh, a story today of a wife who smashed up her own home after her husband's family told her to move out, avoided jail. Victoria Keybell Smith. What is it with these double-barrelled names now? What is it, all these people? Caused over £7,500 worth of damage, left the property littered with broken glass. Uh, she wrecked personal possessions, including her ex's prized cigarette card collections, and even got the kids to scribble on the walls. I did that when we left a building once. I scribbled on the walls. I wrote in spray paint all over the wall. I really I had the most fun doing it. And then they, they called me into the office the next day and said that I was going to have to pay for it. And I went, oh, OK, right. And they went, April Fool. I went, thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, she went on the rampage after this woman split from her husband, Paul, and was told to leave the house in Cumbran, in South Wales, by his dad, who owned it. And uh, she admitted damaging property, spared prison, as she's her children's sole carer, but was given a four-month suspended jail sentence in order to pay £1,250. It's amazing how we don't send people to prison now because they've got children. It's like the get-out, isn't it? It's like, uh, we're sending you to prison. Uh, I've got children. How many have you got? Uh, three. OK, you don't have to go to prison now. Other stories in the papers for today. The uh, the water bill is in every paper because people up and down the country are going to be going, well, you must be really silly to pay £75 for three bottles of water. The uh, truth of the matter is they have a, a minimum charge in this hotel, like lots of other people do. And had he bought things like, you know, sandwiches or tea and flask of coffee or mug of coffee, whatever it happens to be, he could have made up £25, but he chose to have three bottles of water instead. Uh, on the subject, I noticed that Ellen Noakes, who was reading the news, she said, I do my makeup on the train. I, was, I have to be honest, I was quite rude to her. I said, well, you shouldn't. And she said, uh, and then she said, and I, and I have a shower every morning. I said, well, there you go. I said, but you're, you're mistaking it. I said, it's a radio programme. It's not aimed at you. <laughs> you work in the business. It's got nothing to do with you at all. Nothing worse 
Says Deborah, they're standing on a packed train with somebody sitting their coffee, sipping their coffee next to you. Tell them to get up earlier and have one at home. I had a lady standing next to me on the train, sipping and trying to read and turn the pages of her newspaper. Utterly irritating. Oh, the worst people. No, the worst people are the people who walk along the platform reading a book. As they've got off the train, they're reading a book. And I always think, I just want to sort of bump into them and push them just off the platform slightly. I don't know. A bit mean of me and a bit cruel, I suppose, you, you would admit. But isn't that funny that people... People walk along reading. Or failing that, I see women pushing push chairs, but texting on their phone. Texting on the... We saw a guy the other day, he was on his phone in his car. He was texting as we pulled up alongside me. I looked at me. he's texting on the phone. I wanted to wind down the window and shout something rude, but I thought, no, it's too early in the morning, Stephen. Quarter past six. Coming up with Nick Ferrari this morning at seven, as the death toll continues to rise in Gaza and Israel. Nick will be hosting a special debate on the subject. Plus, why are so few couples adopting black boys and why are two million young adults still living at home? Nick and the team with you from seven this morning on LBC. Looking at the papers today, the Royal Editor of the Sunday Express, Camilla Tomine, will be live in the studio. And the story she's going to be looking at, uh, front page of The Sun, is this boy four has mark of devil. It's the most peculiar story. I can't help feeling the poor little chap's going to be scarred for life. Uh, putting him on there. Sharon Lewis and Robbie Jones spotted this crosshair imprint as they got him ready for bed. And she said it's a nightmare. Nightmare. Well, it's only a little, like a a skin mark, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you could interpret it as anything. Uh, Britain is preparing its biggest military exercise in Poland for years as the world unites against Russia. 1,350 troops will be deployed for a NATO operation to send a message to bully boy President Vladimir Putin. This one could escalate. Uh, Kate gets punch drunk at the games. This is uh, Kate, wife of William. So there they are at the Commonwealth Games, and here's Harry again. Harry kind of turns up just sitting next to him like the spare part. Uh, Record house prices and low wages, leaving millions of young people growing old in their childhood bedrooms because it's cheaper to live at home with mum and dad than it is to actually go out there and buy a place. It's the most difficult thing you can ever do. You've got to raise the deposit. Once you've raised the deposit, then you've kind of got to find a mortgage lender who will lend you. But with the prices in London just going through the roof at the moment, they're showing no sign of levelling off at all. They're just opening up, I think, the books on two-bedroom apartments in Twickenham opposite the railway station. Admittedly, you can walk over the road from the railway station and you can be in your flat in, in a matter of less than two minutes which is probably quite good news, although you have got the sound of trains thundering past every five minutes, which is not particularly brilliant, unless they put up some nice baffle boards, in which case you shouldn't hear too much. But at the end of the day, these two-bedroom flats are starting at about, I think, just under £500,000. Just under half a million pounds. Uh, A friend of mine used to have a flat in Ealing. It was a little townhouse, and he paid 250000 I remember thinking at the time, this was years ago, it seemed like a fortune. I said, that's a quarter of a million pounds. He said, yeah. And for that, he got, I think, three three bedrooms, one bathroom, and a sitting room and a kitchen and a garage underneath. It was one of those sort of townhouse-type things. But a quarter of a million pounds. I think the ones that they're going to be putting up in Twickenham on the same plot opposite the station are in excess of two million pounds for townhouses. I don't know where people get that kind of money from. Uh, front of the Telegraph today, top British envoy says Putin is a thug and a liar. 
I should imagine probably economical with the truth would have sounded a little bit safer, but there you go. Uh, the cricket chiefs defending the England batsmen save Gaza wristband. The airline pilots seeking war zone guidance. Front of the mirror today, Clarkson jibe was racist. Having been told by the BBC that if it happened again, they would take serious action. They've done nothing. Nothing at all. As per usual, you can get away with anything if you're Clarkson because he's got a successful programme. And I don't, can't remember the last person they actually got rid of. Probably a local radio DJ would be the last one. Uh, hello, Mar. Nasty Nick comes back from the dead in EastEnders. How they're going to explain this one away, I don't know. A cancer patient who has been denied life-giving drugs on the NHS has to find £2,000 a week to pay for them. These are drugs which are not licensed in this country for his uh, brain tumour. He has terminal brain tumours. Terminal means exactly that. It's terminal. Uh, he says if they gave him these drugs, he might have a little bit of uh, life, for, you know, an extra couple of years or something. But they don't know. It's purely pie in the sky. And the NHS have said that they, they can't afford to fund something like that. Not for somebody who is terminal. You know, they'll, they'll make somebody as comfortable as they can, but they're not prepared to spend £2,000 a week on it. Jobless Sophie Mae Dixon pitched up on the television yesterday as being the sort of person she is to boast how she spends her benefits blinging up her children with spray tans and designer gear. I look at the picture of her and I still can't quite understand, and I asked the question for the umpteenth time, why is she on benefits? Why is she not working? She's 22. She looks perfectly fit and healthy. She can afford to take them out and give them spray tans. And uh, when quizzed about £4,000 that she spends on dresses, and I'm sure there must be a bit of a more of a story here, she doesn't look like somebody on benefits to me at all. She looks like somebody who's probably got some other work going on. Because I'm sure she talked about selling stuff the other day, unless that was somebody else in the same programme. But either way, she's part of benefit culture, and she spends it on these two children. And she blings them up, and it's a bit sad and tragic, really. She lives in Canby Island, and she's 22. I still, want, I still can't understand why she's on benefits. Why can't she work? Is there something the matter with her? Or does she just not want to? She managed to, to pitch up wearing some nice outfits on the television with her girls, who, let's face it, you know, they weren't particularly attractive. You know, and to spend £4,000 on little spray tans, hair and frocks for little children, this does seem slightly excessive. But I suppose the argument could be I can spend my benefit on anything. I just want to know why she's on benefits. The dreadful weather that we had across the country yesterday, except in Twickenham, we seem to have avoided it. We were, we were absolutely fine. Jobless EU migrants will have their benefits slashed to stop them milking Britain's welfare system, David Cameron will announce today. A little bit too late, isn't it? It's been going on for ages and ages. And he says here, immigrants from the European Union will be allowed to claim out-of-work handouts for three months only instead of the current six. Well, I mean, that won't take long to start fiddling with it. They managed to fiddle everything else in the country. Ruth Langsford, dementia took my father. Now let's find a cure. I'm not sure that she's any more qualified to find a cure. I remember, I, I keep watching an advert on the television with Ruth Langsford in, who's obviously had some sort of free laser eye surgery uh, in return for, for plugging the company. And I thought, now whether or not it was a BBC programme, but I remember years ago that various presenters, and I thought Carol Vorderman was one of them, who was banned from doing it. If you present a programme, you're not supposed to be endorsing products from somebody else. You know, I thought that was, that was a little bit... Um, a little bit against the rules. Perhaps they've relaxed the rules now. Daily Mail today, as Bank of England chief says, Lloyd's traders clearly broke the law. Uh, Lloyd's were fined, I think, something like £218 million. Pounds. Uh, revealed as well, this is the, uh, the gel that can uh, banish depression in women. Uh, also, you've got the, the Bake Off coming back again, the Great British Bake Off. I think first time round, funny. Second time round, Mel Gidroich is deeply unfunny, I'm afraid. Uh, and Buckingham Palace official 
on £100,000 bribes charges. Um, hallelujah. The gravy train for tribunals has been derailed as workers are made to pay a £1,200 fee. Discrimination cases plunge by 75%. Lord Sugar, you remember, furiously denounced a, vex uh, a vexatious claim brought against him at an employment tribunal by the winner of his TV reality show. Failure Stella English claimed that after she won the role, she was given a non-job from which she felt forced to resign, lost her constructive dismissal case when the tribunal ruled her allegations of unfair treatment should never have been brought. And uh, she's disappeared completely now, and uh, hallelujah to that one. Uh, there was also a furniture salesman at John Lewis. And uh, they were the subject of a tribunal claim after a staff member said he'd been sexually harassed. Furniture sales assistant Konstantinos Kalamoris complained that his uh, tactile colleague routinely slapped his and other co-workers' bottoms. His claim was dismissed at a tribunal in February 2011 when its chairman, Harjit Gruel, said he had embellished his story as he went along. Yes, it was the easy thing to do. Now they've got to come up with £1,200 before they'll even get anywhere near the court, which is fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, company for today. I'm back tomorrow morning from 4am. If you missed the programme from the beginning, shame on you to start with. You need to go to the LBC website to download the app. And also, if you do join... The, uh, the podcasting club, the members grow ever daily from as little as £2 a month. You can download everything on LBC and you get to keep it forever. So you can have this programme and listen to it back in 10 years' time and go, do you know, by Jove, he was, he was funny once on that programme. So if you go to lbc.co.uk, it's all on there. And the LBC app on the LBC website, you can download for free now. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And uh, we always uh, entertain ourselves with some, uh, some salacious gossip at some point during the day. Later on, LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from 7. Coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.